Welcome to episode number four, Sophisticated Savage. Today's episode, we have Jeremy Jacobs, the owner and operator of Float. It's a float tank uh, spa here in San Antonio. I hope this episode answers any questions you had about float therapy or isolation tanks. Um, Jeremy was obviously as a business owner knows his stuff. Um, has been operating here in San Antonio for a couple years now, and uh, was a great wealth of knowledge on on the float tanks. And uh, we had a great discussion about other things as well. Um, so, without further ado, enjoy the show. Episode number four, Sophisticated Savage. Uh, JC is here. I'm, of course, I'm Dylan. And Hello. today's guest is Jeremy Jacobs, his owner and operator of Float SA. That's correct. All right. <laughs> um, as far as the mics go, uh, it should capture everything right about here. Um, I'm used to listening to, well, I like to lean us I'm used to listening to Rogan. He's always like, yeah, get that mic yeah. right in One your face. Fist. <laughs> One fist away, wherever you go. So, uh, yeah, so everything else is good. Um, and then. Last podcast, no holding the mic like this because it all of a sudden magnified your voice. Oh, so. okay. Well, we didn't we have stands last time. So. Yeah. All right. So just lesson learned. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. Uh, to give you an overview of what the podcast is, our idea is. is okay. We both kind of have the uh, fascination with like Renaissance men and, and people mm-hmm. um, who are multifaceted, and multi-skilled, um, and we both have various interests, not just like martial arts, but also working out. We also like to talk about science. I mean, he trying to be a well-rounded person in general. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the idea, and that's who we're trying to to interview people who are into things we like, who are multifaceted, and then just honestly, people we find interesting. Cool. Uh, it's an easy way to have a good conversation. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same endeavor. I'm trying to, you know, have a lot of different interests. I come from a, you know, very varied background. So, right. um, yeah, definitely same thing here. That's cool. So if you want to give us a brief history or an in-depth history of how you got to floating and then a little bit about how you started. Might as well make it in-depth. We got the time yeah. that's what we're here for. <laughs> as, as brief or in-depth as you want. Okay, yeah. So um, I heard about floating the same way a lot of people have, which is through Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, he was talking about it a lot. And then, of course, he refers to it as sensory deprivation tanks. And it's all the same thing, I think, as an industry. We're all trying to use the term flotation therapy or floating just because some people think sensory deprivation sounds scary just in the title but um there weren't any float centers in san antonio so i drug my wife up to austin and um she had no idea what she was getting into so it was kind of fun and um we both floated and the funny thing is is i'm i have a very hard time shutting my brain off and so I enjoyed my first float, like for the physical relaxation, but mentally I was kind of all over the place. But I also kind of saw the benefit from that aspect as well. So I was like, this is something I need to try again. She, of course, she's really chill. She was like off in outer space the first time. She projected. Yeah, she was gone. She thought she was like literally floating down a river in the Amazon. Wow. Wow. Uh, And so she, you know, we're driving back from Austin to San Antonio and she was like we either need to save up money and get one of these in the house or we just need to open a float center in San Antonio and I come from kind of a 
entrepreneurial background. I had some businesses when I was a kid. I was like the kid at school that was selling candy to uh-huh. the other classmates, that kind of <laughs> shit in um, junior high. Oh, I forgot. Are we is this clean? No, no, I mean, no cursing. PG, Try, yeah, limit, good, limit it. Okay, yeah, yeah. go for it, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'd have, I had a few small businesses in college, but. Um, and we'd been kind of like preparing to try and open our own business. I had been in sales mostly and didn't really care for, you know, that as a career. So um, was kind of keeping an eye out for an opportunity. But also, you know, as you grow and mature, you I was kind of changing my perspective that I wanted to open a business that I could enjoy and appreciate and feel good about. And it wouldn't just become a date and just another job you know that's that's what happens a lot of times so um floating is a really interesting business to be a part of just from the aspect of seeing how it affects people but then also um i think that the science has definitely proven that there's a lot of benefits for a lot of different things so uh, i can also feel good about it at the end of the day so it's been really great it's been um Two and a half years we've been open now, and it's um, we've been successful, and we've added therapies here and there. We do massage as well now and infrared sauna, and then pretty soon we're exploring this uh, this new thing called a Pandora Star. I was actually just playing with it at home before I came by. It's a hypnagogic light that um, basically you close your eyes and it flickers these um light patterns that can affect your brain waves mm-hmm. and like the 40 40 blinks per second where you can actually clean there's up different some settings or it's like it's really interesting there's a few different brands out there um this one they have like open source technology so people will write programs for it for different purposes there are certain ones where um the idea is like if you get into a certain hertz pattern it can drop you into a theta state or something like that, which can help with sleep. But there's also been some recent studies where they think it might also be able to help with potentially Alzheimer's. Yeah. Of course, all this stuff is, you know, you have to basically state on paper, this isn't used for any medical purposes, anything right. like that. But based on some of the evidence, it might actually have quite an impact. So we're trying to figure out how we can uh, draw that in with everything else. So we're kind of in the process of, Rebranding as a wellness center right now because we're we're potentially uh, planning an expansion where we're also going to add. That's actually salt the thing I got. When yeah, I first went, I was like, this is like a wellness center, but it was still amazing. Cool. So yeah, I enjoy it. We'll get to that later. Yeah, I well, just had to interrupt because I, I no, think that's yeah, that's exactly good because it it's been it's been kind of a journey where we were solely focused on floating when we first opened, and then we added massage, and then I went and tried an infrared sauna somewhere else, and then wanted to bring that in. Um, and now we kind of see ourselves as trying to focus on all the, I don't I don't really like the term alternative therapies, but the stuff that is scientifically backed, like I feel like it's, there's good science behind it. It's a legit, um, there's some legitimate bene- benefits from it, but also something that you don't normally see in San Antonio, because I hate the term. A lot of times people in San Antonio are like, oh, well, we're not ready for that, or that's an Austin thing or something right, like that. Yeah, and I'm like... Yeah. Y'all need to quit thinking in that mindset because this city is growing. We've got all kinds of uh, different and unique things that are amazing about San Antonio. But um, people are ready for whatever you bring to them, like we've shown with floating. Right. That's what everybody said before we opened a float center. They're like, well, that's cool for Austin, but that's not going to work here. Right. And we've got um, 
I think there's been some recent stuff where they've been talking about there's a huge Gen X or um, what is it uh, millennial population right. here, and um, I think San Antonio's ready for anything we can throw at it. But if there has to be people that are willing to put themselves out there and bring those uh, new things here, so I think there's a big push recently, and I've seen this both at work and just in the recent media of integrated medicine and people being into uh, trying other types of modalities other than your, your, your typical, like go see your doctor, get prescribed a medication. Mm-hmm. And it's reaching out across generational lines. I think it's, it's, there's a lot of, especially patients with chronic pain, older patients who are getting into their forties and fifties who have aches and pains that are starting to add up and right. are they hurt themselves on the weekend you know, things like that. And they want to try something else other than taking medications or right. whatever. And I think there's more and more, evidence coming out and then there's just more access to it and i think as people i, I think you're, there's a big generational uh especially millennials and with we're recording at geekdom today there's a lot of tech people coming into san antonio and they're bringing in that maybe a new way of thinking that mm-hmm. wasn't here more open-minded years. Uh, yeah and, it's, and they come from like, a lot of tech people come from california are from some of these bigger cities that have things like float tanks and saunas and things right. like that so they're more open to it already and you're right the science especially for floating i mean i've read basically every article there's a clinical flotation.com or dot org uh, yeah dot com, com i think yeah and they have all the really pertinent pdf files of mm-hmm. all the articles from 1960 all the way up until uh dr feinstein's uh most recent articles last year yeah so there's you can read the evidence for yourself and some of the papers are you know one case study but there are a lot of the papers most recently are you know fairly large samples considering so. yeah there was also some some really good research that was done in the 90s um um, I'm forgetting their name right now, but in actually in Ohio, uh, it's kind of funny. Like flotation was invented in the the late '50s, early '60s uh, by John Lilly, who's really interesting character. If you do some research into him, he had this this whole career in flotation therapy, and then another career in dolphin research, research right. which is really interesting, <laughs> and then kind of came back around to floating Studying those waves. Dolphin waves, brain waves, all kinds. I think they of were trying to use for military purposes. Oh, first, train the waves. Like, they were. Yeah. He was, his main purpose was to try and communicate with dolphins. Right. And and John Lilly is totally a character. I mean, he he was pretty out there with some of his practices. So it's funny in the float industry, some people are kind of trying to distance themselves right. from that right. history. And it got you know sixties and seventies. It got really tied into um, counterculture and psychedelics and all that kind of stuff. Um, so some people embrace that. Some people want to distance themselves. We're kind of in the middle where I think floating has a fascinating history, and I, I appreciate that aspect. Um, but it's not that's not the the whole of it. You know, you can't define it by that. So um, yeah, so fifties and sixties, he was doing all these experiments, but then you know it got tied into where he was putting people in the tank on acid and ketamine. So mm-hmm. it kind of went off the rails for a little bit. Um, got really popular in the 70s and 80s and then almost died out. Was that uh, because of the, the AIDS scare in the 80s? That people were yeah, pregnant? yeah, there was, I, and I'm a little bit too young to remember it entirely, but, um, you know, when you look back at that time, like s- public swimming pools were going right. under, people weren't drinking out of water fountains because they were just, they, they just didn't, didn't know, know and they were, from, yeah. yeah, uneducated about, you know, how. HIV was spread and those type of things. So any kind of public 
uh, body of water was was a no-no at that time. So, yeah, float tanks suffered. Most of the um, float centers uh, went under during that time. And then probably about 10 years ago, um, there were some new um, new float tanks came out with much better filtration. Uh, like we, we have an isopod, which I, I, I credit as one of the big factors in that because you also have these like big beautiful float tanks instead of just like a scary box with no lights and music that you had to jump into so um yeah the industry's changed a lot since then and um there's been a lot more research into sanitation all that kind of stuff and it's um essentially the samadhi tank was the first real big one but to me that looks a little um Industrial, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because my, my first float experience with a, a Samadhi, um, I think it was Zen Blend in Austin. It's the first place I floated, yeah. And I, they're a great place. I don't, don't get me wrong. But my first experience, my wife was out of the country at the time. And uh, I went up there because um, she was, I think she was in Turkey with her family. And I just stayed because I didn't want to pay the ticket. <laughs> and so I went up by myself, scheduled it. I got there and the address was like a house. Right. And so I, 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 <laughs> exactly. Wow. Ten minutes thinking... <laughs> I don't know if this is like I. I was expecting a business park, and we so were too. I, yeah. I walked in expecting to get you know. I didn't know if it was a brothel. I, what it is? They're not. They're a massage therapy couple. They're great people, but I, it definitely took ten minutes to work up the courage to even go in the house. Yeah, and then you get up in the tank. The Samadhi tanks work really well, but they don't look inviting. They look yes, very clinical. They're kind of intimidating. And so the first, I lost track of time, but the first chunk of me floating was convincing myself I wasn't going to get locked in the tank and then flooded or murdered. Or I, I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And then I also have really bad motion sickness, which I think we've talked about when I've come to floated this. I, I take Dramamine now, and that has solved the problem. That so seems we, to work for a lot of people, yeah, because that, that so can you, happen. You sure. before the, try, like about 45 minutes. Session. Now, if people if are going to, you got to be careful, because Dramamine combined with other medication can get you in trouble. So if you're on medications, be careful. We're yeah. not doctors here. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> I don't take any medication regularly other than like sinus stuff for allergies, but uh, I take it when I fly too because I have real bad motion sickness. So about 45 minutes into the float, I started getting super nauseous. So I was already uncomfortable. I, I finally kind of chilled out and relaxed, and it was a good experience overall, but 15 minutes after I got out of the tank, I vomited, and then I felt great. <laughs> but, uh, but because it was in Austin, I couldn't get up there regularly, so I floated like once every six months to a year yeah. and then they opened uh was it gravity zero gravity institute yeah yeah zero i never gravity. got a chance to float there it was just it was too hard to get up to austin and then, yeah they're uh, grab back is the worst after floating because yeah, that's yeah. we were we were going up and floating at zero yeah. gravity after that and supposed they're to amazing chill. i'd rather just like do nothing because i don't feel motivated yeah to, you do to not want to get on i-35 after that so after that i i would recommend floating were you a more people. friendly driver on the way back since you're okay? <laughs> yeah you just like you're just you know you really want to just go about 60 and stay out of the way but you know it's it's, it's hard chaos yeah, yeah. I tried to stay up. I was in Austin for another like hour or two, just trying to relax before I came back home. Mm-hmm. But it just—it was a good experience, and I would go back. If, I would recommend Zen Blend. I—I I don't recommend it to a lot of people. I professionally, just because a lot of the population I work with has like PTSD and anxiety, and so going mm-hmm. into a person's house would not work for most page people. I recommend to, but now it's there's a lot more commercial grades, like you know professional looking spas and yeah. the anxiety level is way reduced because you can go it's inviting mm-hmm. there's professional staff the tanks themselves look way more inviting I don't want to knock somebody tanks because they're they're been around forever but the tank isopods look really futuristic and they look comfortable as comfortable as you can get without building yeah. those float rooms that Dr. Feinstein has where there's, there's and then yeah zero gravity is usually the place I recommend although there's um, 
there's uh, another place opening up soon that I've, I've been friends with. I think it's Ocean Float Lab. Here in um, San Antonio? In Austin. Oh, in Austin. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, I don't recommend anybody else here <laughs> <Yeah>. in town. <laughs> I thought about that. I was like, no, this guy's No, up cool. in Austin. But Zero Gravity is amazing. They have big cabin-style tanks like right. the one that we have. Right. And so pretty much anybody's comfortable with those. And the people that run it are like amazing. The cabins, surprisingly. I've tried the cabins. Actually, the first cabin I went into was in um, uh, Float Lab in mm. Venice Beach. And part, oh, wow. part of the problem was I was <laughs> on a business trip by myself again. And if you've been to Venice Beach, I don't. It's after sundown. It's it gets a Crazy. little sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> so I scheduled a. I was there for a, a, a dizziness uh, CEU course, and uh, I went out and I scheduled it for nine o'clock. I was oh maybe I can go check it out, and I scheduled it for nine o'clock, not realizing after seven o'clock it gets really sketchy on Venice. So I was like, what do I do? I had already ate dinner, so I went to a bar and had one beer, which was a dumb idea, and a like a hamburger just because I was hungry. And then nine o'clock came around. I went and floated, and it was I was already uncomfortable because it was a weird walking. It was like a quarter mile walk back to Float Lab, and there was just a bunch of like random bodybuilders. At night in Venice Beach, there's a lot of homeless population, and then a lot of like just you know, I wouldn't say gangs, but just it's not comfortable for a you know After a white boy like myself walking around this <laughs> night. So I wasn't the most comfortable. I got into the tank, and it was. The float cabins are super nice, especially for patients who maybe are people who might be more uh, claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. But it was just too big for me. I like to be able, if I get freaked out, to be able to touch the sides. Yeah. Like cabins, you can't do that. And I got nauseous again. This is before I found the drama means. So I got nauseous. I lasted like 45 minutes. I had to get out. In the float lab, they do two hour floats. Like, I'm, like there's no. <laughs> Crash doesn't mess around yeah, over there. It's, yeah. It's, it's like 40 bucks is two hours. I'm like, I don't know how you say it's a business, but, but it's two hour floats. And so I got out 45 minutes, and the guy was like, Are you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm a little nauseous. I'm, I think I'm through, so I just I left. And um, but then once I floated at your place, it was the first time I actually got like three or four back to back floats. And that is a trick. It's the one float every six months. You'll really relax, but it's the three to four. And all the researchers usually a minimum of eight to twelve for you know the research yeah. treatment effect. But a minimum of three floats. And everybody who I recommend it who've gone and floated and done three floats, that third or fourth float they come back to yep. oh. Uh, whole yeah. different thing completely different mechanism that's the biggest thing I prescribe the first one I mean like I said some people just take to it immediately right. but I would say more than half you gotta get at least a second or third float in before you really like see all of the benefits that you're going to I think that's what in the position I'm in so I had my first experience this past Monday and it was amazing but you know first part was actually struggling to get relaxed and all that stuff and finally actually um I wanted to dive off the cliff some more. As soon as I got in there, I was like, let's go gun ho. Got in there and just chilled. I was like, all right, that's kind of weird. All right, cool. And then at some point I did take off, but I wanted to remember everything for the podcast so I could talk about it. As soon as I started trying to remember things, I brought myself back. And I was like, right. no, 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 relax. Go. Let's meditate. Once I started meditating again, relax, boom, I'd be gone. I was like, all right, I'm going to remember this for the podcast. And then I bring myself back in. <laughs> By the time it was like 45 minutes, I felt great, but then the music started coming. I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah. So I'm 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 actually excited to go back and practice that to like just don't remember anything. Don't worry about the podcast. I, I remember, that's the, like it, when I yeah. try not to think about stuff, I I mean the weirdest experience I had was the last time I floated. It's probably been over six months now. I can't remember the last time I floated, but um, I felt like I switched from being right handed to left handed. I didn't. I mean, I had I felt like it. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I, I felt like I was in a wormhole. Yeah. Like, like in a tube. Like I had that right. dark 
Slater yeah. Bond tube they have. Yeah. And I all of a sudden got this like blue light over my head. And it's it's the blue light is there when you get in and you can shut it off. And it was shut off. I was in pitch black, but I got this blue light over my head. I was like, what? Going yeah, on. yeah. You start looking around. Yeah. What's in here? It was great. That was the last. That was, and, and that was probably the third or fourth float in a row. And I was already after I'd floated before, but it. I finally got to where I could just relax and go and not think about it because usually I get nauseous, and so I think about don't get nauseous, don't get nauseous. And when I just took the drama me and I knew it would work, I was able to just completely relax and just get into it. And then that was great because I got out. I went to my mom's house because we were my wife was having dinner with my mom, and was just relax for I, I don't know for two or three days but what I told people is we were talking about this on the last podcast my uh, our guest was my martial arts instructor who's also a neuropsychologist and he was talking about that was it monkey chatter in the brain people mm-hmm. have and that so what I had, yeah. that quiets for me for like six to twelve weeks after I float really oh I, wow especially after I do three back to back I don't get that random chatter in my head mm-hmm. about whatever dumb stuff I'm thinking about. Yeah. I just think it's because you're, you're, you're able to disconnect. Sure. And and uh, reconnect with the actual caveman brain. I know there's a podcast Joe Rogan likes to talk about bonobos. I think I'm going to be talking about caveman all the time. Seriously. <laughs> I was driving there and I was like, it was the middle of the night. It was 8 o'clock. I was, it was already dark here in San Antonio. I was looking around. I was like, I'm about to go float. I'm going to go about to go float. I'm going to get ready, trying to pump myself up. But I was looking left, right, all these lights – and after I floated, I was like, there's so much stimulation going on. Yes. And I actually tried to drive and not even bother looking at these lights, but they're, they're so bright. The neon lights just grabbed my attention. So I was thinking about prior to the float tank, I was scan, scan, scan. That was my caveman brain. If you think about it, cavemen were in the dark. If they saw light, they probably were like, hey, there's a fire over there. I'm going to look at it immediately. That's the way I feel like now that I'm driving. The neon lights are like fire, fire. My, my, my monkey brain, my caveman brain is like... I need mm-hmm. to look, I need to look, I need to scan, detect, scan, detect. After that, I was like, I don't want to scan because it's, the scanning just makes my brain so tired. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to scan, try not to look, but I felt my eyes just wanting to know what was these lights. So I, I enjoyed that from the tank. Is like, let that brain go and just relax because cavemans didn't have neon lights going 24-7. Right. Right. They're my ideal house, and I told my wife and anybody, I, I talk about floating nonstop anytime I'm even professionally speaking, or just friends and family at lectures, I, I will bring up floating for awesome. anything. I talk about it nonstop, almost to the point I'm sure people get annoyed, especially my wife because she hears about it all the time. Yeah, same here. But I've told people if I, I I'm a simple person. We have a fairly tiny home. We we're trying to live as you know, it's um, not a tiny home like the 300 square foot, but you know, live as modestly as possible and and not have any like wants or desires that make you work for those wants and desires that kind right. of thing mm-hmm. but I told people if I won the lottery I would build a bigger house just to have a room with a sauna yep. a float tank and the, the gym space to do my, my workouts without having to go to a gym right. and I would be probably set for life I, I don't need much more than that that sounds pretty awesome um, and I've seen some of these really fancy in-home float tanks where they build it like into the wall in your bathroom <laughs> I mean they're expensive they're like $6,000 or more but like that would be my the only thing I would spend my lottery money on would be that yeah <laughs> the meditation room would be the largest part of the house the exactly. house would yes. be tiny yeah. <laughs> and I, the energy bill I'm sure would be outrageous but yeah, it would be worth it so so one thing you're talking about like um, that I like in floating too is you know fasting is a big diet trend right now and they're seeing that fasting has all these benefits for not just dieting but just in overall health and I think of floating as 
fasting for your brain right. and your neurological system. You know, you fast, your digestive system can work 24 seven right. if you, if you need it to, but it's good to give it a rest. And so that's kind of the same thing. We are definitely overstimulated, um, nowadays, whether it's, you know, all of the lights and all that yeah. kind of stuff, but also cell phones where you get this constant, um, buzzing or dinging. And I think that, and what I think they're trying, they're starting to understand is that it's it's just kind of that constant stimulation is is turning on the amygdala, mm-hmm. and that fight or flight, which means you're getting a little dose of cortisol or or whatnot. So I think a lot of people are are walking around in this constant state of arousal or chronically high cortisol level, and high levels of cortisol over extended periods of time lead to inflammation, all these other things, but. And with floating, they've actually measured a 30 to 40% reduction in cortisol levels mm-hmm. off of one float. And when you do it consistently, all of the studies where they've done enough floats for them to see a consistent pattern, they see that the benefits last longer and longer outside of the float after you do a certain number. Um, I know there was one Swedish study, and they were actually looking mostly at chronic pain. Um, I think they did... Um, floats every three weeks for six months something like that and at the beginning of the study the benefits only lasted 24 to 48 hours and then at the end of the study it would last for four to eight weeks so that kind of shows us that there's something more going on than just immediate relaxation it's and part of my theory and i think what some of the science is backed up is that we're getting out of that chronic cortisol you're kind of reprogramming your brain a little bit it taught me how to meditate i was uh, like i said i'm pretty hyperactive I've, I've never been diagnosed as add but if you ask anyone that knows me i'm probably in that that spectrum and meditation was just completely inaccessible to me before the float tank and like i said i had a hard time my first float second i kind of started to get it but <clears throat> it was right around the third or fourth float I hit this place of like peak relaxation that I'd never experienced before, just mental calm. And it was almost like a light bulb goes on. And after that, I can take these, these small moments of, um, to clear my head and kind of meditate. And it just makes a lot more sense when you've experienced that. But, um, so I think it can be used as a, a training tool for, for meditation as well. Um, but also meditation helps with your experience in the float tank. It, I've also learned. So yeah, it's I, I do mindfulness breathing when I float because otherwise, my my dad um, had me try to meditate when I was in high school. Um, he listened to a lot of Buddhist monks on on tape, um, and he was into Buddhism. And he, he would try to convince me to meditate. And high school kid, like I would try, and uh, you yeah. know, and I'm a fairly calm person, but I've always found it. A struggle to meditate outside the tank. I'll, I'll attempt it, and I'm fairly decent at it. Especially the more I practice and the more I read about the fact that like meditation is not about completely clearing your brain; it's about refocusing your brain when you, mm-hmm. when you realize you're going to track. That's the that's the purpose of meditation is not to just have a blank slate, right? But I told when I recommend floating, I explain it. It's it's like a crash course in meditation. You can't not meditate because you get cut off from sensory stimulus so all you have is your brain. Mm-hmm. Now, if you get stuck in there just thinking about bills, that's one thing. But I recommend when I tell people to go float, it's just focus on breathing. That's mm-hmm. it. And when you feel yourself going into you know thoughts of like your daily schedule, just come back to the breath work. That's the easiest way to meditate is just focusing on your breath. Definitely. Um, and I, I have a lot of pay- people I know who just can't meditate and they can't figure it out. And then the people I've known who've gone and floated, they're like, oh, okay. Like I, 
I see what you're trying to just talk, you know, just, you know, describe to me. You know, whether or not they're able to meditate outside the tank after that, I don't know. But there's also now the good thing is there's tons of apps on, on your yeah. phone that yeah. can do guided meditation. And I tell that to you. If you can't meditate, you know, just following your own voice, use a tape, use a cheat, whatever you have to do. There's plenty of free stuff on YouTube with guided mm-hmm. meditation. Even if it's – like my, we talked about this in the last podcast, doing something physical. My wife likes to run. That's a movie meditation. If she, yep. she gets into a zone where she's not thinking about random stuff – that is basically meditation. And so right. whatever trick you have to do to get to that point, I, I find it beneficial, whether it's exercise or sitting there cross-legged. The thing is just going back to the whole overstimulated. I, like even now with my kids, I, I'm teaching them stranger danger. But uh, I'm literally teaching them scan, 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 scan. So your brain is constantly scanning, going back to the whole caveman thing. Scan for this, scan for that. I think this is what allowed me to unscan, literally just pitch dark, black, float, couldn't tell where I was, turn off everything and just meditate and relax those scanning techniques or whatever. It's just. Well, it's worse nowadays with the kids too because they grow up with cell phones and. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard not to be stimulated all the time. I've noticed it with my son, he's only eight months old, but it, it, like when he is not stimulated by something, he starts getting, you know, attitude, he'll cry, things like that. So we're all yeah. constantly trying to. He's also eight months old, so there's a little bit of that. But as soon as the TV comes on, he, he'll whip his head around. He'll be the funniest thing is at night when I'm trying to go to sleep. Sometimes I'll be kind of rocking him or holding him, and I'll, he'll be asleep or I think he's asleep. And I'll hear Netflix that little come on. And all of a sudden he comes up like a zombie. Like, oh yeah, I've lost dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so yeah, we're we're trying to do a little bit of sleep training and get him used to, to not having that. But right, it's interesting to see that happen because I, I luckily enough grew up when I there wasn't internet just. And easy access, and when the internet mm-hmm. was on, you heard it because it had a dial-up modem and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, we didn't have once at night when bedtime came around. There wasn't a TV on all the time. There was no cell phone that you know to check. It was yeah. it was way more quiet. So now it's I, it's harder for, not just for kids, but just anybody to break away unless you actively try to break away from some type of stimulus. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed uh, JC and I've been doing a, a stoic um, daily journal. And that's helped me a lot. Just even if it's just journaling, realizing my um, kind of base RAM processing that I do every day. Where, like for instance, the um, uh, intermittent fasting, I realize sometimes I'll just go get something to eat in the morning when I get to work, just because it's like my habit. Like, oh, I gotta get my coffee and whatever. Yeah, you're not really hungry. Like, I'm not you hungry. Just, it's just it's routine. Yeah, and, and I didn't realize that. Creatures really I started, yeah, started yeah. journaling, and they and this journal prompts you with daily questions. But I realize mm. now. I, after answering some of these questions and realizing my habits, I catch myself like, okay, why am I going upstairs to get whatever breakfast and a coffee? I'm not really needing a coffee. I'm feeling okay. Do I need the coffee or am I just in a root, like a, a routine, routine. Like yeah, background yeah. programming? I feel like that's where a lot of the modern civilization is. You're just getting to these routine, like this is how I get through my day. Now you're thinking about it, and then before you know it, you're 50 pounds overweight because you've been eating a Danish every morning. <laughs> That's how I, it happens to me. I don't. I have a bad sugar craving, so it's just really easy to just be like, oh, I keep doing the same pattern every day. Yeah. But I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier, um, the fasting. I really like that that analogy. It's great. Um, it's just uh, I had a friend. His, his dad was a famous lawyer, big corporate lawyer, uh, and uh, he had these stacks of books, and he would have to read them on private jets. And we're like, how do you read all those? He's like, it's muscle. Your brain is just a muscle. Yep. 
And so I think that's what it is, is when you talk about that, both of you are actually talking about the meditation and practicing. You're just making that muscle stronger and stronger. And I think that's where I am. I'm at the bottom of the totem pole right now right. of the muscle and my brain muscle in, the, in the, the tank, the flow tank. But I can't wait to get back in there and do those consistent workouts to train the brain to be able to meditate in those tanks. So I'm really excited about that. And that's why I tell people about meditation when I, because almost anyone you talk to, they're going to say they've been discouraged by it or they feel like they don't do it well. And I tell people it's not about, there's not a measurement of how good you are at it. You know, we kind of put that on it. It's only about taking the time to do it. So if you're setting aside the time to try and do that, and and of course there there are tools that help with that. I think the apps are great. Um, We even have something at Float called a Muse where it's like the meditation headband that gives you feedback. I, I think those things can maybe help you feel like you're progressing or they can help you like monitor that progress but really like meditation is about the practice it's about setting aside whatever you can starting out 10 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes every morning every evening and by taking that time to just try and be focused and aware um that's how you get better at it it doesn't it doesn't necessarily there's we should really try not to quantify it and really put put all of our own like constructs on on top of that um but yeah it's really so i was curious about your since you with your first float you said you had a few moments where you were able to to kind of zone out what were some of the things that you saw or felt well, when that happened let me put the caveat that i do try to meditate at home and i have this thing called a zero gravity chair oh but, yeah yeah but all it is is a glorified lawn chair with uh, like hula hoops for the base and they make an x so kind of like rocks back and forth so i do try to meditate so I was really excited about the float tank. And then I called. I was like, what do I need to bring? They're like, nothing. I was like, what do you mean nothing? Like, you float naked. And that kind of gave me like a, whoa. <laughs> like, All right. You know what? I was like, I'm so gun ho about this. I was really excited still. I like the setup, the bath right next to the float tank. That's really awesome. Is that is that normal or is that custom? Yeah, I mean, with modern float centers, they're going to have, you know, um, a setup where the room's going to be totally private. You float in. Uh, you're going to have a shower right there. So you shower off before and after your float. Um, we kind of we actually learned about the the whole setup of using the the massage chair before the float session. We got that from Zero Gravity in Austin, so I think it's an amazing that chair was way amazing. to start. Yeah, because it just to I like creating a separation from the outside world to the float tank. Oh, nice transition. And yeah, it's I mean the massage chair is a nice way to do that, and and people feel like they're getting some getting something out of it but i think a big part of it is just separating yourself and when you make it a a regular thing it's also kind of a maybe a trigger where you you know you're about to go and relax i honestly think that's what it's going to be that's why it's going to make it big it's 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 going to be addiction to disconnection so people are going to want to come to the float tank to disconnect and i think that's why i'm actually enjoying it like i can't wait to go back yeah to get stronger or better or whatever you want to call it at meditating but also to disconnect from everything else. But, yeah, I did hit a couple of zones where I was like, I can't tell where I am right now, some time lapse. Yeah. And then, uh, like I said, I, I regret trying to remember everything for the podcast because that was bringing me back to reality or taking me out of the now. It's real easy to pull yourself yeah. out of that. I've had some moments where I've, I've been chasing this. It was actually like my fifth or sixth float. I've been chasing this one experience I had one time because you – 
so the we haven't really talked about exactly what floating is so I'll, I'll break that part down a little bit so a float tank there's there's lots of different designs which we've talked about um samadhi i i call a traditional float tank they're the original manufacturer um there's they're still around um i actually got to meet the people that uh really? invented the samadhi which was really cool uh glenn and lee perry uh, so i was really honored to be able to meet them at a, a float conference but there was just that one tank design for for decades, and then um, at some point the pods came out. Uh, that's fairly modern, uh, and then you've got cabin style tanks, which are a lot bigger. So people that are claustrophobic, a lot of the times they they kind of lean toward the cabin. But you're right, most of our clients kind of prefer the pods. It's like it's just they're pretty large, but it's just enough space where you can still find where you are in the tank. It's not not oversized. Um, but the water in a float tank is only about 10 to 12 inches, um, and it's super saturated with Epsom salt. Um, so our pods take about 1,200 pounds of Epsom salt to get the saturation up. Um, the cabin, because it's bigger, is about 1,300 pounds, but we're aiming for right around 40%, which is more dense than the Dead Sea. So if you've seen pictures of people floating in the Dead Sea, it's basically that experience, but um, even greater. And then the water is heated to the exact temperature of your skin, which used to be traditionally 93.5 now the industry standard is about 94 but the the goal is to remove um tactile uh, stimulation so when you're floating completely effortlessly and then the water is the same temperature as your skin you can get to a point where you don't really feel the water and then um hopefully at some point you can get to where you you don't even feel your body anymore and so i've i've experienced that a few times in a good way (laughs) yeah no it's it's really crazy and when you get to that point of um where you've kind of let go of your physical body it's funny because your mind creates this imaginary body have you ever experienced that where you can't really feel your physical body anymore not in the tank yet no um i i i think yeah like i said it took like um it's it's been four four or five years now but i want to say like my six to eight floats somewhere in um i might have had a little assistance to get there but you get to this point where i couldn't feel my body anymore so you have this like imaginary body where you think that you are in space and then sometimes you can get this rotating thing where you feel like you're spinning clockwise or even head over that, that I have experienced. Yeah, and that's where the nausea rotating. can sometimes yeah, yeah. kick in because yeah. you feel like you're just kind of you're you're turning or spinning and you're actually just completely still right. in a so float. So pretty tank. much the brain's trying to figure out where it is. Yeah, you've kind of thrown off your because there's there's no light in there, so you're throwing off the inner ear a little bit. Um, one, it's only happened once or twice when I've been floating. I've actually been able to control the way that my body was mm. rotating in space. I was wow. just at one point I was like, I wonder if I can you know imitate that i'm spinning this way and i could actually change the way that my imaginary body was was spinning in space and so that was pretty cool uh, but i'm always like as soon as i hit that place where i don't i don't really feel anything anymore i'm always like kind of chasing that but that's yeah. the first thing that takes me out of it when i'm really well, so pushing fast it. forward a little bit on my experience was uh the end where i actually did fall asleep or i hit the uh the astral projection whatever you want to call it but it was over. I turned on the nice purple light, and I, I was like I said, either groggy or what, not sure what. But I put both of my hands up, and I had a blink because I, I think I might have gotten some salt in my or whatever. But I had constant blinking. I was like, Are these my hands? Are those my hands? Yeah, those yeah. Are my hands. <laughs> like, Whose hands are those? Like almost like self awareness, like yeah. realizing yeah. it for the first time. 
I was like, no, those are my hands. But just, I had to blink several times, and I saw the purple light in my hands, and I thought that was pretty amazing. But yeah, I love that part. The, the big rubber button, finding it, knowing where I am. Yeah, yeah. So I enjoyed it. So yeah. Yeah, those float tanks are great. I, I'm really glad that we, we chose those. And um, yeah, it's cool. We've got these um, float journals in the lounge where people leave thoughts about their experience. And so every once in a while, I'll just kind of sit down and, and read through there. And it's, it's pretty amazing because it's everything from people that are grieving from losing someone to um, just their, like, coming to terms with something in their past there's all kinds of cool stuff in there but it really shows me like reminds me like why we're there and what what can be accomplished in the flow tank it's such a simple thing like you're just trying to remove sensory input which sounds really easy but the the task of taking away audible since uh you know audible stimulus visual tactile doing all that at the same time is actually very very difficult and i don't think you can achieve that anywhere else on earth except a float tank right yeah, yeah. <clears throat> i agree so it does have a pretty profound effect and uh fortunately it's um and it's almost universally very positive that's what's really cool about the journals is people go in with these concerns like i hear people all the time they're worried about being alone with their thoughts and then what they realize is that they're we're generally like really hard on ourselves about the things that we we think that we failed at or that we haven't done well, and so when you have a chance to like, I, I say a lot of times what the float tank allows you to do is finish a thought because we get yeah. so caught up like we'll have something rattling around our brain. A lot of times it's something that has happened recently, or sometimes for me it can even be weeks or months prior. Um, and in very specific circumstances years prior where you didn't perform in a way that you wanted to, either the way that you interacted with somebody and you felt like you harmed them or they harmed you. And you you have these thoughts that rattle around in your brain, but you never really get to the root core of it. And I think that's why therapy sometimes works because you've got somebody that's prodding you along like, right. okay, we're not going to move away from that thought because we'll, we'll go off and, like you said, the monkey brain, we'll go and think about something else. And I don't know if that's a defense mechanism or what else, but the float tank is its own therapist because you you have the time and the space to finish that thought. So what I've found for myself and what seems to be happening a lot a lot of times for people in there is they've got this this thing that's been bothering them and it could be something really simple, just like an interaction with a coworker or something. But then you keep following that and you don't have a distraction, you don't have something, you know, a cell phone ding or something that takes you away from that. And you get to the root of it and you're like well, I don't know why I was worried about that. Like, they didn't intend for me to take it that way or, you know, I didn't have any other options to react in this way or something like that. And it's it's cool because it, it generally always lends to something positive yeah. or at least some type of growth out of it is what I've noticed. So I, I really appreciate that. When I'm done floating there at your place, I like reading the journal at mm-hmm. the, for the, like, you know, 15, 20 minutes after I get out and relax because there's some interesting little summaries about the float experience. Um, that and everybody kind of has their own experience out and you get what mm-hmm. you get out of it and you know, the more you do it the you know the better the experience seems to get mm-hmm. and I agree I'd never read like a bad float because the good thing with a float is like if you have a bad experience you just open the door and step out it's not you're not locked in there for 60 or 90 minutes or longer if you don't like it you just step out shower and go about your business so. I'm going to go out on a limb and say but I, th- I think that's what's wrong with society I think society wants to uh, escape. They want to not think about that interaction. They don't right. want to think about what 
what they could do better with their lives. They want the iPhone. They want to escape the, mm-hmm. their own thoughts. But you can't force them to. So until they're ready to do it, exactly. Like, lock them in the tank is not going to make it better. So. Right. Well, and and that's my point. Like, you're also not going to get somebody that's like, hey, I, I really want to. I'm not. I don't feel like disconnected. I don't want to stop looking at the Kardashians. I'm going to continue right. looking at them because my life sucks. Right. So I want this escape. So I can't drag them in there. But I think if they would, they would understand. Like. You are not the next Kardashian, but you're still a <laughs> badass person, you know? Yeah. Think about yourself, so. I've, I've, I've come to, like, accept that because, like, I'm so passionate about floating. I want everybody to experience it. And it used to really bother me when I would talk to people about it. And it still, you know, it still happens a lot where people just, like, blow it off. Like, they either they're, they're act like it's, like it's really silly, you know, like, why am I going to pay you to go float in water? Or... They're putting up these walls. They'll say, well, the, the knee-jerk reaction is I'm claustrophobic or something like that. And I think that the bigger thing is they're really afraid of what, who are they when there's no distractions, like coming face-to-face in the, in the mirror with themselves or being alone with their thoughts. I think that's a bigger fear think, than what people let on I think on they'll to. realize they're not their Mercedes, just like Fight Club. They're not their khakis. I think they'll finally realize that, and some people aren't ready for that. They, right. I am this. I have this title. I own this, and this is what makes me. And then you go to your own thoughts, and you're like, you're just the person. You enjoy yourself. So I don't know. I think yeah, you might have to do that. something about it if you yeah, realize yeah. that you're bigger than that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's that's very true. And uh, I I think that um, you're not your fucking khaki. Sorry, I had to say. I had to say. I brought a Fight Club. <laughs> I love it. I need to watch that again. That's man. a great it's been movie. A few years. That uh, I feel like they're. I heard they're gonna make a sequel. Really? I think. I feel like I heard that. Maybe, maybe. No, I, I wouldn't see how. It's They're different. making a Bill and Ted's 3. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty important. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to make the money. Make but anyways, going back to, you know, facing yourself and, and who you really are and what you're doing with your life. And and, and that's what it is. You're, you're, you're facing your reality. And then once you face your reality, what are you going to do about it? Well, and it's, you know, especially if you if you come to the realization you may have made a mistake or a bad decision. Like, how do you accept that and then move on or reconcile that with where you're currently at and then if especially if you have limited resources it can probably feel like overburdening like okay i've i realized about myself but i have no money to pay for therapy or i can't like what am Mm -hmm. i going to do to get out of this shitty job that i have well it goes back to what what you're saying i agree with that but going back what he's saying what i really love is when you said it's actually just letting you finish that thought you're not going to be able to move on with what you said until you finish that thought. And I think a lot of people actually know what they're afraid to yeah. confront in there. You know, when people say, I'm, I'm afraid to be alone with my own thoughts, they already know what that thing is that they're afraid to confront because you, we all know what our weaknesses are. We tend to, I think most people tend to focus more on their weaknesses than their strengths. And um, there's a guy, a guy that I follow. He's kind of a business guru. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Gary V. Hey, yeah, 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 Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, yeah. shout out to Gary V. <laughs> he talks a lot about like forget about your weaknesses. I mean, you if it's something that's really affecting your life, then yeah, you want to you want to try and get better at that. But double down on your strengths. Like we all have weaknesses, but it's the people that really pursue what their strengths are that that are really successful and I, I love that idea because yeah. I you know I know what my weaknesses are and I've I'm kind of a perfectionist in a lot of ways so I tend to spend too much time trying to fix those weaknesses or, or feeling inferior because of those weaknesses but when I when I pivot and really focus on what are my strengths and and 
you feel a lot better like self-esteem wise but you're also a lot more successful i think one of the things um for me has been realizing that my family's especially my dad and i talk about our procrastination we procrastinate a lot and that you know especially from what i've read recently stems from pure anxiety Mm -hmm. about making for me it's making the wrong decision and then like having to deal with the consequences example taxes i just you know the taxes you know the tax date just came back passed i will wait until not the last minute but i try to put it off because and that's a purely like i don't want to have be surprised by this ginormous tax bill it never have actually happens it usually it's either a small amount or or refund for the most part but like just the thought of like oh i don't want to deal with that that's purely anxiety and i realized especially i've gotten older all my procrastination is a, I want to feel good to this day, so I'm going to play video games or do something that's going to make me feel good in the moment, and not have to worry about making a wrong, wrong decision and then having to deal with the consequence. Right. And so, being able to be aware of that, it took me a long time because I used to say, "Oh, my family is we were procrastinators for whatever reason," but then talking to my dad, it's like, "Oh, we also have some, some generalized anxiety throughout the family, and some people deal with it through you know substance issues, and there's so it's in the family and it's there, the history of it, but being able to realize it." personally and what's affecting you and then okay how do i fix this so my wife and i did a goal book this year and writing down goals so I've, I've tried to write down goals especially for like losing weight and things like that but you get out of the habit of doing that but my wife is very type a so when she like we balance each other out because she wanted to do this and we've stuck to it pretty pretty good and that has helped really writing stuff down in the past year has really helped me figure out okay i know what's wrong i know the issue now like let's stop just like knowing it and actually actually fix it and um being able to admit that and figure it out and write things down has really helped me stay consistent and then like so is that part of your journaling that you were talking about yeah yeah and the, 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 the goal, stoic daily journal they you know, have like, two different things right the gold journal and the, the gold journal is different the gold journal was something she printed off stoic from life is something coach. different yeah, yeah, yeah but but the daily stoic journal has also helped me kind of dive a little deeper because they have daily prompts and questions um where the goal book is as a monthly just check like okay here's some big goals Mm-hmm. Started off on the New Year's, and then you, every month you check into it, and it's they use smart goals. So you yeah. get the goal, and then you do a smart goal, which is you, you get a little deeper in the goal. And um, but just not even necessarily the goal part, just writing things down has made me be more aware of it. And then uh, my wife and I just check in with each other. It's helped me uh, to be more, help me to be more accountable. Yeah, and that is the that's the key issue I found is is people aren't holding themselves accountable. Right. And so I I've recommended to patients or friends or whoever whenever you're trying to do something to make a change it helps if you have someone else involved whether or not they're doing it with you just to hold you accountable and because most people unless you're just that type person aren't going to hold yourself accountable when you want to make a change and that has helped especially for my lazy ass if i'll make any excuse in the world to get that's the procrastination which comes back to the anxiety of making the wrong step and so having someone hold me accountable or even if it's just making like a like, for example, losing weight. Every time I go to work, I have a journal on my desk. I open that journal. It has, okay, no more sugar. Here's the goal you want to be down to. Stop making excuses. Right. Make sure you work out. And it's it's helped, too, having a, a baby is that I don't have time to be, like, lazy anymore about it. Like, <laughs> if I don't work out in the 15, 20, 30 minutes I have, it's not going to happen. Right. And I don't want to be the the dad 20 years from now or <laughs> I've completely looked different and my kid is playing sports and I can't keep up with them because I've yeah. lost or I've gained, you know, 100 pounds. So 
the accountability has been really helpful and the goal writing and journaling has been helpful for that. I'm extremely goal driven. So I have to do that. Like I wasn't an athlete when I was a kid. I was a weird like musician, punk rock kid at a Mohawk and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you, it's easy to keep weight off when you're young and then Mm -hmm. you, you get into college or whatnot. And so, and my dad had a lot of weight issues and he, he eventually passed away due to diabetes and that was a big wake-up call for me you know because i know i'm predisposed to that and so i've been very focused on you know trying to stay in shape and that type of thing but i realized if i don't have like a goal like a very specific goal then it's really easy to get me for me to get lax in that in that department so i you know in the past i did a marathon just because that was something that i could really focus on that's extremely challenging and then right now i've gotten a lot more focused on uh power lifting and that kind of stuff so i've got a goal for the end of the year i'm about to turn 40 so i'm like i want to be in the best shape of my life at 40 yeah. like because because i was i've never been that great of an athlete so i'm like i can accomplish that it's right. not a huge feat for me to be in better shape than i've been in the past so that's that's what i'm trying to do just because i know it's going to get with me <laughs> i would love to man that would be awesome i've, I've done a little bit of boxing get your in the past <laughs> But I'm I'm definitely interested in um, jujitsu because um, you know boxing is so one dimensional as far as like self defense. Yeah. It's great workout and all that, but right. the reality is, you know, if you if you need to defend yourself, most of the time it's going to end up on the ground yeah. or um, whatnot. So I'm I'm very interested in that. As soon as I get, they're time. both still beautiful arts. I've done <clears throat> both of them, so no, I don't know. I, I think the wor- workout, uh, the physical activity, I think is is key. Um, I, I was an athlete growing up, so I was always fairly active. But I did a genetic test recently, and the genetic test told me, for, for just not to get too scientific, I tend to run fluffy. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> my, my genes like, lend themselves to, to fluffiness, and I mostly have Europe, uh, all European. I'm like 99% white, basically. Same here. Um, all yeah. from either England, Ireland, and I was so disappointed. Europe. I was like, man, I'm going to do this genetic yeah. test, and there's going to be 1% something that's not white i'm 100 percent cracker like just across the board yeah it's like 70 percent um i think they usually put irish in uk but yeah. we knew we were mostly irish and then and it's like northwest european and then like like tiny fractions of everything else i was like i'm just totally yeah. white mine's like i don't know why i was disappointed i was disappointed <laughs> I think mine's off like 50 percent england and ireland which is pretty split evenly because I have some Irish ancestors and I have a lot of English and Welsh ancestors. But then my dad's side has a fairly strong Scandinavian, German, Northern European. Um, and that's, I think, where the, a lot of the, uh, the tendon to run fluffy comes from because it's, it's so cold they have to like, put on a lot of weight to stay warm and you know, look back, back in time. But knowing that about myself, okay, like, I know I'm predisposed. I, and I already know, like, in 2011, 2012, I did a body... Um, I don't even know how you describe it. It's not a weight loss challenge. It was uh, burn the fat, feed the muscle. Are you familiar with that at all? Hmm. Uh, I Makes the guy's sense. author's name is Tom Venuto. He's supposed to be a clean bodybuilder, so he doesn't use any steroids. It's all natural supplements right. and, and, and food. And his book is um, a fairly detailed book, but it basically the idea is body type dieting. So are you an ectomorph, an endomorph, or a mesomorph? Oh. And everybody kind of runs the spectrum. So ectomorphs, super skinny. They can't gain weight. They can eat whatever they want. And they may not be uh, like overweight, but they may not be a healthy either. They're just they can't put on weight. Endomorphs, which I'm, I'm <clears throat> tend to run endomorphic, uh, can eat one carb and they you know they blow it basically. So they tend to run a little heavy. And the mesomorphs are kind of I think it's mesomorphs run right in the middle, and they're like the genetic freaks. They can eat whatever. They have muscle mass to, for days. 
they require no maintenance. Like I had a, a guy in high school who played football on my uh, in my high school, and he was like 6'3", 230 pounds, and he says he never worked out. I never saw him work out, but he was jacked. And that's what Bo Jackson used to yeah, say. Bo Jackson was like totally my, ripped, and he said he, he didn't like have that. to work so out. That's that's a mesomorph. He can back off. He can get a dad bod, touches like one weight, dude, and he's jacked again. It's, it's <laughs> effing annoying, dude. I call, no, it's asshole disease. That's what I call it. If you like, can eat whatever you want and you don't get fat, you're an asshole. He picks up one weight and all of a sudden he's jacked. It's like, yeah. oh, fuck out of here. So I, I did this challenge. It was basically a body type challenge or body type dieting and you're counting calories. It was very effective. I mean, I got I was coming out of PT school. I blew up to like 250 with PT school because I was not eating well and I wasn't studying. I was studying too much and not working out. And then I was a as a PT, I was realizing I was a little heavy. I was starting to get comments from my wife. <laughs> like, your stomach's a little big. And, uh, then a little just, passive aggressive? Or? No, no, no. Just, just, just like, hey, you know, just. You know, some nice donuts. So you're aware, in case aware. you weren't already aware. And then just being in the healthcare field, like, I wanted to set a good example. And then I also just, my blood pressure was going up, and I was, like, in my late 20s or 30s, like, there's no, like, there's no reason for this. It's right. just purely lifestyle bad choices. Enjoying being married and out of the house and just, you know, be on your own and yep. not watching my diet and then in grad school just not watching my diet at all because I was stressed about passing and all that stuff so I did this uh, and a, a guy at work started this program he did a 30 day challenge over the holidays maybe it's 45 but he got like insanely ripped doing this now he also tends to be easy for him to lose weight but he went from like having a you know, fairly good paunch on his belly to a six pack and it was like 45 days over the holidays that's crazy and so Tom Venuto's has a website where they do these 45 or summer or summer uh, challenge for for body type and so i did this over a year and i went from two i think when i freshly weighed in i was 245 and then why over the summer i did the summer challenge i got down to 201 and 15 percent body fat oh wow and it was very effective still didn't have a six-pack but i was at 15 percent body fat so it wasn't you know it's not like i was i could have had i still had probably a good 10 percent more to go but i was so strict with my diet that i wasn't having fun I, and i got burnt out um, and so I backed off a little bit and I didn't put all the way back on, but I, I got lazy with it. But I've been monitoring over the last five years, so I kind of have a number I, I hit where I was like, okay, I'm cool here. I can eat yeah. kind of what I want. I know what I'm measuring. When I get a little out of control, like I'll back off from that. But I've also noticed that's not necessarily the healthy way to go either because my blood pressure would ever all of a sudden spike up. And I've also found out I'm caffeine sensitive. So if I if I drink especially <laughs> yeah, same here especially when I when uh, when my son was born, I was burning through like one of those uh, oh god the cold coffee cold brew which is basically like two espresso shots in there right then I was going through another cup of coffee in that morning and then going a cup of coffee in the afternoon and all of a sudden I I was helping calibrate the uh, blood pressure machine at work and I was like why like one forty five one fifty over like ninety nine like what the hell like I. Usually, I, I monitor myself, and I'm way lower, like at, at most like 125 over 80. And so I was I kind of like, well, that's weird. I checked it again in the same number. I was like, uh-huh, okay, what has changed? And I was like, Maybe this is caffeine. I'm not eating like crazy, crazy unhealthy. And so I stopped drinking caffeine for three days, and all of a sudden my blood pressure was 115 over 75. Huh. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Well, Obviously, caffeine is a big trigger for me, so I've, I backed off that. But now when I finally was like, okay, I want to get – for my martial arts stuff and just for general body type, I want to get down to like 210. That's where I feel like I'm most functional, where I'm healthy, where I'm comfortable with. And so now I've been cutting out sugar basically for the most part and just eating as, as clean as possible uh, and knowing I can still have some play a little bit. And so I'm much more happy now because I've, 
I'm not so strict. I'm not counting my calories. I just have an idea. I did it for like two years, so I kind of have an idea of portion size, how much calories I'm eating, and then really it's just for me it's sugar and liquid sugar. It's like sweet tea. Yeah. Coke, things like has that. floating help you realize all this? Well, floating has. Yeah. I mean, when the last time I floated about six months ago, one of the thoughts I had was was really about sugar. And it was telling myself, cut the shit. Like, stop eating shit. Yeah. You know yeah. you want it. And I, and I know the so shit. Have, have you found out, like, if you ask yourself a question before you float, like, you find yeah, the so, answer? So when I, when I go float, it's kind of like, um, so the, with people who are doing, like, some of the psychedelic therapy stuff, they'll talk about set and setting. Hmm. Having a mindset. Call it what? I'm sorry. Set and setting. Set and setting. Okay. So it's a mindset and the setting you're in. And that's for if they're doing something, like, with psychedelic, which is different from the float tank. But... I have, I have, I try to give myself a thought to meditate on. Even if I'm just doing meditation, give my thought, myself a thought to meditate on. And that way, I've, I've, if I get lost or if I get kind of lose track of stuff, I have a thought to come back to. Right. And when I was last time I went to go float, I did three floats, two or three floats, and my thought process was okay. Let's think about overall health. And for me, it was like I kept in the tank, kept coming back, sugar, like stop eating sugar, stop eating sugar. Um, did I make the change the day after I got out of the tank? No. But uh, it was right before my son was born, maybe a couple months before my son was born, knowing that I was probably going to lose track of that in those six weeks after he was initially born, and it, and it did, but not horribly. And then once we got to a stable spot where we have a routine down and my wife and I are kind of like back on a strict schedule a little bit, I was like, okay, now's the time. <laughs> He's here. I'm, you know, I need to be here for the long haul. Let's like... It, it was a change. It was, it was, you know, yeah. psychedelics. I don't want to. There's a lot of weight and baggage with that. Psychedelics doesn't necessarily mean like the drug. You can have a psychedelic. Having a baby is a psychedelic change. It's a life changing event. The door yeah, opens, right. and it's it's completely different from my previous life. Um, and making that life change has been scary, but also amazing because it also then it really focuses your brain to like you know. Stop, you know, playing around. Let's get serious with this, because <laughs> now there's it's not just my wife and I. There's someone who who's yeah. I'm directly responsible for, yeah. and I need to make sure I'm not making excuses for myself, because then that might affect him. And so, uh, once that happened, I've I've really the sugar control has come to, to some degree. I mean, I'll, it's it's Easter, so there's Reese's Easter eggs. So <laughs> if yeah. I see it in front of me, it will be you. <clears throat> Uh, so for me, it's just knowing I can't buy it. If it's in the house, my wife mm-hmm. and I, luckily, now we're on the same diet. Because before, she's an ectomorph. She can eat whatever she wants. Uh, until she finally was trying to get healthy and she had a, uh, uh, like a gallbladder issue and something like that. So she was cleaning up her diet just from that. So now we're kind of on the same diet pattern. Nice. We're trying to eat clean. And she was a, sh- a cookie, like addicted, like just any cookie she can think of. So she would always have something in the house, which was horrible for me. It was like, <laughs> yeah. I know it's in the cupboard. So I, and so that has been helpful since we're on the same diet and not having it in the house has been key. Yeah, my wife and I have had that argument before when I'm like really cracking down. I'm like, don't bring this stuff home because yeah. if it's there, you know, yeah. it's a lot harder to – you know what was a big change for me is I, I found out like – I guess it's been like three or four years now. I developed an allergy to beer. <laughs> like I can't drink beer anymore. And I was a, I was a big beer drinker. I was like – we were really into craft beer. We were homebrewing oh, okay. all this stuff. Yeah. And then I started having all these allergy symptoms. And I knew it was some type of food allergy. And we did a we did a 30-day 
alcohol fast. Just we we're, we're going to go on vacation, so we wanted to drop a few pounds. And we were, first thing, of course, I go on vacation, and I have a beer, and immediately all these symptoms, like I started getting like Eyes. a rash, and my throat starts getting Just, all wow. clogged up, and. <clears throat> So I was like, oh, man, it's the beer. And so, but immediately afterward, when I couldn't drink beer anymore, I, I dropped like 10 pounds, like the next 30 days. And it's a lot easier to keep weight off. But as I realized how how bad that stuff is for you. Um, but it was sad, though. I miss I miss beer. Sure. And, and honestly, we're, we shared some whiskey before we started. Um, that's pure sugar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it, and luckily I don't. Crave if that was if that tasted like Reese's peanut butter cups, I would be in serious trouble. My liver would be shot. But luckily, it doesn't. I don't crave it like I do, you know, pure sugar. But yeah. when I say pure sugar, Reese's well, honestly Reese's is for me the devil. If in front of me, I will, I will eat every Reese's in the bag. So like, I, I know my sugar, and it's it's definitely chocolate and peanut butter. I just think that this is going to be kind of like a hard right turn, but. I think it's all about uh, finding who you are and, and find out what best works for yourself. Yeah. Because that's – I was listening to a podcast and they were throwing out biohacks. I do this medicine and this spice and this spice with this antibody and antibody of this and all this medical mumbo-jumbo. And I was like, okay, that's crazy. But this guy's like, I can only do it for myself. I can't recommend anything for you, blah, blah. And then the next podcast, it was a different so-called biohacker and – He's like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't try that. That's not my stuff. I try this. I try that. And I think that's yeah. what we're all doing, both mentally and physically. You know what works for you. I know what right. works for me. You know your body type. I don't know. I haven't taken any of these tests. But I think that's what society needs to do is find out who they are, both physically and mentally. I think that'd be yeah. amazing instead of escaping. But I think people tend to try to also, like if it worked for them, same thing with float tanks. I, maybe some people just won't take floating imagine imagine a world if, if, if they could give out a genetics test when you're like i don't know eight nine these are what works for you this is what doesn't work for you and then say hey you know mental health is not a bad thing you should actually work on it or try it and teach on it so both physically at a young age you're like maybe i shouldn't eat this or i should right. try to work out like that i think even without genetic tests if you sit and talk to your family and your grandparents and you have conversations gives you a rough stuff, idea you can figure it out i mean that's true for the yeah. i mean not 100 percent, but you know knowing my, my dad and i have a very similar body type and when he stopped eating sugar all of a sudden lo and behold he's he's lighter, he's down below 200 now he's like maybe 190 180 oh, well. yeah um and i'm 210 a lot, a lot of his a lot of his uh um, I'm saying illnesses, but a lot of his, his body issues change. He has rheumatoid arthritis, which is a little beyond diet, but um, we have a very similar body type. So knowing what works for him has helped me a little bit, but he's also only 50% of my genes. And so right. some of it's also trial and error, but I also try, like going back to what I said about floating. So I, there's a quote I've been talking about a lot. It's Alan Watts is the less I preach, the more I'm heard. So I was trying to beat people over the head with it. Like I recommend, I love floating. I encourage you to go try it out. But if you don't like it, great. Move on to the next thing. There's plenty mm-hmm. of things, but don't stop trying. And and I think sometimes in our culture now, there's people find something they want to like uh, evangelize about a little too much. Where it's like this is the like for example the carnivore diet recently. I've been it's been the big one. And the more I read about it, it, be, it comes down to like calorie restriction and dietary restriction, which uh, I don't know the science behind the carnivore diet. But I think a lot of it is if you just you know if you're in a bad spot with your diet. If you just do some fasting and you restrict what you're eating and, and go to a very limited plate, and then you know get yourself to a baseline and then 
build up from there is probably a great way to start. Whether it's taking out sugar, taking mm-hmm. out meat, taking out whatever it is, it's going to be completely individualized to you um, and, and your genetics. And just knowing, looking at your family and talking to your family about what uh, you know, genetic or historical illnesses you have in your family, even mental health. There's a lot of mental health that can yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not a mental health professional, but a lot of mental health, you know. I, you know, runs in the family a little bit, and so if you if you can find out, okay, like my mom's side of the family has a little bit of depression in the background. Okay, that's you know, I know that. Let's you know, let's at least keep that in the back of my head. Um, and my dad runs a little heavy, okay, and he doesn't do well with sugar. Noted. So now we move forward, but that might not be what works for you, JC, or you know. So yeah, and trying not to make what I what works for me work for everybody else. It seems to be key, and especially in the profession I'm in. I try to encourage, but not like just you have to do it my way, the highway. I like to lead by example and also just encourage people to find out about themselves. Right. And that float tanks can be really effective for that. Meditation can be effective for that. Journaling can be effective for that. Um, and then just talking to different people. That's why I like this podcast is because talking to people who, who aren't me, and that's why I enjoy talking to various cultures, uh, people, because everybody's going to do something a little bit different. And I can, might be able to take bits and pieces of what they're doing right. and apply it to myself. Did you go to, for your first experience? Did you go to the float tank to finish a thought, or did you just want to try it because it was something to do at the time I, that was cool? I don't. I don't really remember exactly what I was expecting to get from it. And at I, that point, did did you find that you were going to want to open a float tank of your own in the actual float tank? The way my brain works, like as far as like being an entrepreneur, like when I when I see something that like I wanted to do and it wasn't in San Antonio it was already like a, a thought like well this you know that's an opportunity you know I'm always looking for those things I'm always like constantly coming up with ideas you know like I've already got four things in my head right now which are going to be my next business and I I actually kind of marinate <clears throat> on those thoughts and when I have like a moment where I'm just sitting and thinking, what I'm usually thinking about is I'm systematically breaking down that business idea to find flaws in it, which I've learned isn't necessarily the way people process opening a business. Most people s- fail at opening businesses. Like you look at the numbers for a five year period, 95% of small businesses are going to fail. Uh, you break it down into like one or two years, the numbers are a lot lower. But overall, most small businesses fail. And I think that. It is partially just a mindset of are you willing to just tear down this thing that you love down to its bones and rip it apart to find all of the things that are wrong with it? Or do you is it too precious to you to like Is that what you do, do first? That? Is that what you do? I do that because I've had I had hundreds of ideas of things that I wanted to do. You know, and the the moment something comes to you, you're like, oh, this is brilliant. This is going to be Let's do it huge. tomorrow. And then, yeah. And, and some people, like, just react on that instinct and they start moving forward and they, you know, they slowly find out when it's too late that it doesn't all make sense or add up. Or, um, you know, most of the small businesses come from somebody's in a trade and they, they do something well, so they want to open a business. But then they're not looking at all the other factors of you know all of the costs and things that are going to be a part diligence. of that yeah yeah and so i've i've kind of started to learn the reason that i've been successful at business is i have this analytical mind where i can walk through every aspect of it in my head and i can break down you know i'll have to go back and do research okay what are the actual costs for this and what are the, what's the technology available for this but it all kind of comes down to 
I can run through it all in my head and and follow through the process of what's going to work or not. And so most of them go in the trash, but I've always got one or two ideas in my head that I'm like slowly kind of putting through that that mill of, you know, does it meet the standard of, you know, is it something people are going to be interested in, not just me? Yeah. Is it something that's sustainable? Are people going to come back? Is it something that, you know, you're um, – what you're able to sell or offer this service for is enough over what your cost is, all that kind of stuff. So, um, did that take you to your first float tank th- uh, test or experience, or is it something else that you don't want to talk about? No, I was. I mean, you know, I, I so I, I, you know, like I said, I, I I realized that floating wasn't available in San Antonio, so my my gears are already turning. So I went into the first float with you know just like a little bit of a spark of an idea, and then after I experienced it. Like I said, I wasn't blown away by my first float, but my wife's reaction to it was was a big factor. But then I also, I was intrigued enough where I was like, I need to do this more to see what it can do. But then my next step was, is this a fad or is this something that I can back up by research? So that's when I, I dove into the research that existed at the time. And I was like, okay, though this is an actual legitimate therapy it helps people for very specific things. So if you're actually helping people, that's that's going to be more sustainable versus something that's just kind of a fun experience. I was like – because that was my concern. Are people just coming and floating and they lay like it once or twice and it's it's kind of cool and unique but they're not really going to come back? You know, we, we get some of those folks that come once or twice a year and it's just kind of an experience for them. But we've got a core audience of folks that are like our members that – are coming in and they've got either chronic pain issues or they're trying to manage anxiety or depression or you know veterans with PTSD this whole spectrum of things that floating can help with and that's that's a very sustainable thing and I I hate to break it down to that is what makes my business work but at the same time that's you know that's what makes it sustainable not only that but you must get a great feeling knowing that your business is actually just helping people in general that's like one of the best things to do yeah it 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 is pretty awesome and you know i i I look at it two sides sometimes i i think about like well we're still profiting off of this so how much is that really like a you know an act of kindness or whatnot so we try and do some other programs we've got a program for veterans with ptsd where we we do a series of uh 10 floats for for anybody that's like diagnosed with ptsd we try and focus on veterans like combat veterans and that's something where i can just say it is purely just something where we think we can make the biggest impact um but also we provide completely out of our pocket to to be able to help people and that's been for me personally because i mean my dad was a marine and and uh just experience i've had i I knew san antonio this was a great area where we could have a huge impact but we had this one gentleman that came in well a couple of people that came in early and I, i got to spend time with them at the float shop and then they're giving me this feedback of how much of an impact it's having which was way bigger than i expected you know it was you know Probably one of the things of my my life that has impacted me the most is the way that that has has changed the life for for some people. So, yeah, that's that's yeah, extremely well, gratifying. I think I, I read something where it's like uh, if you open a business to make money, you're pretty much going to screw up 
But if you're in a business to help people, the money will come or the money will follow. Or money may not be as big of a of a deal. I, you know, the, probably the thing that's changed a lot for me in the last year is we've started hiring more employees. Is we're more successful, so I'm trying to kind of take myself a little bit out of the business so I can focus on like bigger picture stuff. But seeing how you know I'm providing an income and well being for for my employees and like getting to know them and getting closer to them. That's also a pretty big impact because I'm I'm not as concerned as much about what I'm taking home, but it, when I can provide a livelihood or, you know, we've got a lot of students that work for us, like they're working their way through college. That has a pretty big impact on me too. So I've started looking at it as like, you know, how can we do more for them and yeah. really provide a stable and... Uh, I have to give a quick shout out to uh, your boy Brandon who if y'all want to see a little uh, Pablo Escobar look alike yeah. yeah you go check out that place you're going to meet a little Pablo Escobar Brandon's a trip though. yeah but no it was it was very warm and welcoming uh, I love the decor the decor is amazing I think it's very sophisticated very savage you got that spa going that, that, that sense of like it's a spa but the decor the, the crocking on the wall the, the, the art everything is just just so awesome Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. My sister is actually a <clears throat> my sister's an interior designer. So Boom. yeah, had that, like we did, we did sit around. Like we had my mom's a painter. My sister's an interior designer. So we had these meetings that went on for hours, many times, talking about like function, like how do we, like even each particular zone, like what do we want people to feel in this space, and what are they doing, and how are they interacting with the with the the space. To, to try and perfect that and I think it turned out really Yeah, it's awesome. very well thought out especially like how you said earlier it's a transition I, I come in uh, I know that location I grew up about two miles from that location so I know that location very well It's a weird but, spot yeah. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah a little eccentric but whatever but once you're in there it's a whole new world and that's exactly right. what you want and Yeah So put everything at ease did, So did your mom or your sister paint that those krakens the octopus The, the kraken was was a a friend of mine that's an artist so yeah. we that's another thing we try and do is we try and work with local artists in in float so we've got the art gallery I and the lounge that, yeah. those are all local painters and sculptors um and so that just kind of came from i i really like art i think san antonio has an amazing local art scene yeah. and so that's something we wanted to um kind of feature but also to separate our space because you walk into like most spas are really boring inside. Pure white you know? or something like that. Yeah, you got the river rock, you know, and the the water fountain, and it's yeah. just all they all look the same. They all have the same music and everything. So we just want people to realize that they're at a completely different type of facility. The way we interact with people is very different. Like we want it to be comfortable and warm, not stuffy. And I noticed y'all didn't have a sign, but y'all y'all plan on putting up a sign about discouraging phone use. Because I knew when I went in, I, I admit I had wanted to take the selfie with the, the, the pod. But uh, when I went to the chair, I was like, I'm turning it off. I turned it off. Turned it back on just to take the selfie with the pod. And then turned it back off. Because I wanted to disconnect. So I don't know if y'all have anything. We we don't have any strict policies about it. I think it, it people kind of naturally kind of understand why they're there. So yeah. it's it's usually, most people leave them in the locker. So we go in the locker room all the time and there's like phones going on. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. But... I think people kind of instinctually know that's part of what they're there for, but we encourage them definitely to take the tank selfie when you're yeah. done. Like that's we we love the Instagram posts that give us a shout out. So definitely, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of balancing those things for sure. 
Yeah, I, I, when I first started getting into floating, it was also from Rogan's podcast. So I'd never even heard of it before. And when I was, at the time, I was looking for a way to kind of learn more about myself. And I'd been trying to meditate, but um, I was also looking for a way to kind of like work on my consciousness without having to do something illegal, you know? Um, and so I, I, and I'm not, I don't do well with too much alcohol. I, I get nauseous. I'm super just, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with my equilibrium. So I try to stay as, as straight as possible. And I was trying lucid dreaming. And then I heard about float tanks and I was like, okay, so those were both legal. Yeah. And a way for me to work on, on my inner brain or my thoughts, my consciousness. And, and the worst that'll happen is it won't work or it'll just be too weird. And so I did research, and the only places around San Antonio were the places in Austin. And I did, you know, I tried to do research before I could try any kind of new activity. And so reading about floating, there was, um, Zen Blend had like a list of recommendations, like, you know, come in, try not to eat too much before you go, try not, don't shave before you come in because you're going to burn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, don't, uh, don't drink any alcohol, try to do a digital detox before and after. Um, things that will disrupt or, or you know, possibly influence the experience for you. So I, I understood that. So after I left uh, the Zen Blend place, I tried to go find a place in Austin where I could just go sit and relax for a while. Um, and actually, ended up winding over myself or winding my way to on it because I wanted to go pick up some kettlebells. Nice. <laughs> and of course, I was super enthusiastic. So I was like, "Oh!" And they were asking, "How's your day?" I was like, oh, "I just went and did a float tank." And I was like shocked that the girl in the front was like, "What are you talking about?" No. Uh, like, yeah. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Where am I? This is, this, is, this is before it really kind of blew up a little bit. Um, and then so I tried to not drive down 35 until it was about two or three hours after the float. Um, so I wouldn't just draw myself out of that really wide right. space. And now I, I really found I pr- prefer the evening, like the last float y'all have. Because mm-hmm. I can go straight from the tank. There's really no traffic. And my ride home is, is quick and painless. And I get home and I just chill. And I fall asleep, and I'll sleep the best I, I right weeks. I'm sorry, I have to interrupt, but, but my wife said I snored the loudest ever. <laughs> right? Yeah, you'll sleep good after oh, a float. Like, I'm sorry, I was so relaxed. She's like, I thought about going downstairs to sleep, but she said she toughed it out. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, get used to it. It's gonna happen again. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, flo- floating has been. I, I really enjoy it. I, people I run into, I, I try to tell you know, whatever your budget is. I, I try to, for myself or my budget, I try to do two floats, like two like groups of floating per year, like three to four at a time. Mm. And it just, you know, you, you'll have memberships available, but if, you know, even if you just pay out of pocket, I know how much I'm willing to spend on that. And I find it beneficial enough. It was either, okay, am I going to be able to afford to put a tank in the house, reliably, like realistically speaking? No, they have a $1,500 Zen tent. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm like, hey. It's not really sensory deprivation because the tent is not soundproof. Yeah. And it's also like, how the hell do you get the water out like of the house? It's just, and there's, I have there's, a small Yeah, house. there are a lot there's, of logistical issues with so, it for sure. You know, in the future, maybe I'd like to have a tank in the house just so I can do an overnight float. But for, for my purposes, um, I, I think it's beneficial enough where, not that I ever feel like I need to get on an anti-anxiety medication, but I found what works for me. And uh, with the baby, it's been a little difficult to get back in there because it's, he's, there's not a lot of time for an hour float plus the prep time and all that stuff. So yeah. hopefully when he's a little more stable, I'll get back into a regular two times a year, three to four floats. That seems to work great for me. Um, one of the, my favorite articles I read when I was doing research, and it's not a strong article because it's a case study of one person, but it was a, a woman in, I want to say Stockholm, 
um, she had PTSD. She was on the autistic spectrum. She was addicted to smoking cigarettes. She had an abusive boyfriend or husband. There was a she had a lot of trauma in her, in her past, and so they started having her float. And it went from like I think it was a weekly float, and then she was able to like self-report improvement in her PTSD symptoms. And they tracked her for like a year, year and a half, and she was doing weekly or bi-weekly floats, then it was like a weekly, then it was monthly, then it was a few times a year. And she eventually stopped smoking cigarettes. She got a job, was, you know, most of her depression and anxiety was eliminated. And that, that one article um, really stuck with me because it was, a, again, one person, it's, it's, you know, it's not a strong uh, uh, research, uh, I guess when you look at the research, it's not a strong level of research or level of evidence, but it stuck with me. I took it to work with me, and some of the doctors I work with was like, okay, this is one case study but just the change in this one person over a year year and a half period was phenomenal yeah. and then now that you know, there's a lot more research that kind of backs that up and they're able to repeat it with people yeah with all levels of anxiety and depression and the studies that are becoming stronger and stronger and anytime you get a neuropsych attached to research like you know that the research is going to be Top notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Feinstein's work is, is pretty That's amazing. what I was to say. The stuff that he's doing right now, um, you know, it's the highest level of a research study. Um, they're doing at least 50 patients. And the two that he's published already are really amazing because he comes from a background of working with pharmaceuticals to treat anxiety. So he understood the benefits of those type of medications. But when he compared um, one thing that he said was was really impactful about the last study where they so they had 50 patients it was a high anxiety group so people that had clinically high levels of anxiety maybe already on prescription anxiety medications but they did three floats all 50 patients you know finished the study did all three floats and every single patient in the study saw a reduction in their anxiety symptoms. So it worked universally for everyone, which you can't say for the pharmaceuticals, you can't say it for pretty much anything. And then 75% of the respondents said it was the best treatment for their anxiety that they had tried. Um, And then the other 25% said it was as good or better. So, I mean, that's that's some strong evidence. I think that study also said that the the anxiety, the stronger the anxiety, the more enhanced the effect. More benefit, yeah. Yeah. And... um, What's what's also interesting is they they allowed people to leave the lights on or off, and that was something I think us in the industry were really surprised at, that that wasn't a huge impact. The people that needed to leave the light on for their float, they saw as much benefit as the folks that turned mm. it off. Because we're all, in the industry, we're very focused on sensory deprivation, which means all of the factors. But... I think what we're starting to see is a a big part of it is the, the weightlessness and getting away from physical sensation and the distractions that come with that, but also getting away from just you know the distractions of cell phones, those type of things. So there's definitely a cumulative effect, but um, it it might be certain factors more than others. I, I've uh, some of the people I, I have worked with and then just friends who or hesitant to go float or don't feel like they can afford to float or whatever the case may be, one thing I found is getting pool uh, pool noodles mm-hmm. and having them find if they can access a pool that's not uh, heavily populated or if they do it like right before they close is float with the noodles under their shoulder and neck and under their knees. So it simulates a little bit. It's not ideal. Yeah. But even doing that, some people have come back and said, oh, that was amazing. I actually want to go try the float tanks because if it's anything like that, 
you know, add it to the effect of no light, no sound, and it's salt right. water, so I'm not having yeah. these noodles under my head. And they've gone and tried it. And like, okay, like if at the bare minimum, just the weightlessness. And I've been fairly. I like water therapy or aquatic therapy for rehab, just or even just for cross training. I I do that myself, especially when I've worked out too hard or if I'm injured. Water is is amazing. I think it's also because I think humans have an affinity. You're born in water, right? You're, you know, you're 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 in the womb. You're basically in water, and I think there's something to weightlessness and being in the water. And that's why some people enjoy like surfers are obsessed with the ocean because there's something with the being in the water around water that that makes a, a has an effect on people. Yeah, there's actually a, a book out. Um, forgetting the author's name, but it's called Blue Mind, and it's it's mm-hmm. an entire okay. book about. Yeah. Our, uh, you know, our attraction to and our affinity yeah. to water, just in general. Like, you know, obviously we we trend we we used to be near water for food sources or whatnot, but there's also there's something deeper than that. You know, it's definitely for relaxation, and um, there's a yeah, there's definitely a certain attraction there too. Nothing makes my son smile more than when he sees the tub come out at night for his bath. He gets anyone when you get him on unclothed and he's there little baby naked he yeah. gets super excited about the bath and when you right. take him out of the bath he gets pissed he's like no i want to stay there so there's, there's <laughs> that's funny yeah it's it's water there i i really for me also for re- when i'm sore or have an injury getting in the pool and just doing laps or even just floating in the pool or uh, exercising in the pool is really beneficial and i think um the, the floating is just an extension of that and is there any uh i don't remember the term but where what is it? Water wants to go to where there's high concentration of salt, osmosis or something or something like oh, that. Oh, that's reaching too far back into. Uh, bottom yeah. Of the I is there about. anything <laughs> to deal with that? Like the li- the water. The, water the, is interesting property. Like surface tension. Yeah, the, the, the water, water has your, interesting properties. But I'm saying, what the the water in your body does that want to leave into the tank a little bit? Like well, the, the salt. There is some evidence of salt. The salt water, the magnesium based salt, has some skin absorption. Yeah. And so that's where some of the chronic pain. The thoughts on where I help chronic pain was also the weightlessness, but also some of the magnesium. Isotonic, hypertonic, hypnotonic, some shit like that. Anyway, yeah, uh, I was just curious about that. But no, I I was going back to that that study I was talking about, Stockholm or whatnot. But I think it goes back to I keep repeating myself, but uh, I was never clinically diagnosed with anxiety. I'm pretty sure I had it, but I don't know if it was the last podcast me and you did or if I read it recently. But what I've realized what anxiety is to me is it's a result that I want. That's later in life, and so I'm freaking out. I'm like, "Fuck! I can get that result. I want that result." So what I've learned, or what I've done to my, for myself, for anxiety, is it's a result that I want, and then I remind myself, "Okay, I can take steps to that result," and that has reduced my anxiety. So I believe if you go to the float tank and you think about that result, it will reduce that anxiety, and that's probably why people are coming out. Having a goal and a purpose seems to be a big driving factor on people's. Um... But that's what I'm saying. They'll they'll disconnect. Right. They'll realize they have this goal. This thing, this this is what's giving me anxiety right here. Right. Okay. Now, if I go float about it, it reduces the anxiety because now I know those steps to right. To reach well, that goal. Uh, something I'd ran across at one of the float conferences is somebody's talking about when we have stress in our lives. Most of the time, stress is a recollection or a thinking back to something. Uh, negative in your life and when you have anxiety you're thinking to the future and you're anxious about what could happen so when you're when you're floating you have to be present so you're not stressed and you're not anxious because you have to be in that moment there's not um, and when you start to think about stress or think about anxiety you're brought back to that that center and and that's something where 
I think we're really lacking that presence. And that's what meditation and mindfulness is. It's just about being present, not chasing the rabbit down the hole of anxiety or stress, just trying to be present. And that's why you go back to your breath because that's you right now thinking about being here and present in this moment. And that's what we never do. In my do. experience, I was, I was worried about the water entering my ear, so I used the earplugs. Uh-huh. And I was like, when I hear the music, I'm going to test it. And so I took out the earplugs so I could be in the water. And then I could experience my breathing. I think next time when I go back, I'm not. I don't want the earplugs. Actually, yeah, I don't I, use I wanna, them. I want to hear my breathing better. That way, I can focus and meditate better. So that's what I'm going to do next time. Is yeah. take out the earplugs. I just I don't like them as just like a distraction. I think um, your internal sounds might be louder with the with the earplugs. Sometimes if you've got them in there real tight, you'll be able to hear your breathing and your heartbeat a little bit more. Whereas you take them out and um, it's a little more muffled, but. I, I like to I like to flow without him just so I don't yeah. have to one of the uh, think things about it. That on uh, I think it was one of Dr. Feinstein's research was they measured people's awareness of their body like their sound their breathing yeah. their heartbeat the sound of their digestion things like that you become more aware of that and some of that has if you muffle your ears you're going to hear yourself louder it's the same reason like when I have the headphone in my ear it's hard sometimes like hear what you're saying even mm. though it's like it's it it can distract you a little bit I personally like to float with the ear uh, things in, are the um, uh, the earplugs, the earplugs in my ear, just because I don't like cleaning the salt out afterwards, and and it, it does some. It has. I didn't when I first started floating, but as I got into it, the water and the salt were distracting me a little bit. So the earplugs help prevent yeah. that. And I actually like hearing the sounds in my body. It it helps me meditate a little bit. But you know, it's one of those things. Whatever works for you, and you right. feel, and you feel most comfortable in. And the, the salt's going to get everywhere anyway, so that's why the shower is there afterwards. So yeah. Um, but I, I I like hearing my heart. And hearing my breath, and when I muffle my ears, I get that a little bit, and it also makes me feel more enclosed. So that's why I like the earplugs a little bit better. Oh uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that's one one person's opinion. So it's about fifty percent people use earplugs or not. Yeah, interesting. So, what's y'all's craziest experience in the float tank? The wormhole, right hand to left hand, and the blue light was the craziest thing ever. Experienced. Right hand, left hand. What? I feel like I became left-handed all of a sudden. Oh. I wasn't. I got out. I was so. Right-handed. I have never heard that one before. I've heard. I've heard a lot of people. So it is. It is pretty common that you get visible or audible hallucinations. So I like every once in a while you'll have somebody leave the room and they're. You can tell like they had a really crazy experience. So I like hearing those stories because. When I say visual or audible hallucinations, it's not. It's really never anything scary. Like. It's usually very positive. I tend to just mostly get like colors and shapes that kind of fade in and out. Um, I've I've had some. For me, it's mostly been like body, like losing the f- sensation yeah. of my body. But then also sometimes um, it feels like your body's contorting or something mm-hmm. because you can't really tell where your hands or your arms are. So one time I was in there, and I usually float with my arms above my head just because it's most comfortable to lay that way. And I start to lose, like, sensation. And then it felt like my arms were, like, bending backward or or contorting or something in ways, like, all Gumby-like, you know? And I'm just sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, obviously, I'm just sitting in the exact same pose that I've been sitting in, but you get these weird um, sensations that feel very real, feel very real, and... um, I've had times where I felt like really, really energized in the float tank too, which is strange. And 
you feel like this electric feeling in your body and then sometimes you just fall asleep so it's it's every float is different it's yeah. crazy i would say it's <clears throat> the, the floats i've experienced are all a little different um there's consistently a relaxation you get but the what i get in the float sensory wise has been always different the wormhole if you remember the movie stargate that when mm-hmm. they go through stargate and that that effect where you kind of get shot into the universe that's what it felt like and without the visual effect but that's i feel like i was sliding through that and it scared me at first I was like oh shit yeah. <laughs> they're drinking the water <laughs> yeah and I was like wait okay, I know I know where I'm at let's just go with it and then I start thinking about the movie Contact where she's in that that little you know, ball metal right. ball whatever it is and someone's like let's just ride this out whatever happens happen and then just let go that, just let go where I got the weird right to left handed thing I don't, I don't know what that was and then the blue light was at the end of all that with, over my head and I'm, I tend to run a little hippy dippy so I've I don't want to say believe in auras, <laughs> but I've read books on them. And so I was like, oh, maybe just have a blue aura. I don't know what it was. But it's also it's a scientific reason for that. When you have sensory deprivation, like, especially people who um, have uh, like go blind all of a sudden where they lose visual input will sometimes get the experience of seeing color even though they're not getting a visual input. Right. And I forget the, the term for it, but there's a specific term for that where it's a common thing in the float tanks to see colors even though it's not yeah for sure colors are very common i think it's just you you remove all stimulus coming into your brain your your mind is going to entertain itself is the way i usually put it it wants some kind of input so it's going to create its own input that caveman brain wants to be on the lookout it wants to scan yeah i mean it's it brain needs that's why we talked on last podcast people like novel things you get bored doing the same thing so Mm -hmm. your brain wants after you sit in a tank there's nothing going on your brain's going to want to do I mean it's just going to start going through things and either creating colors thinking about your day thinking about a problem you finishing a thought whatever it may be mm-hmm. your brain wants to it's you know it's a computer that wants to process yeah. data one thing I did enjoy after the, the float tank was uh, the sense of coldness because you were deprived from all these sensories it's like it's the brain it feels everything then I stepped on the cold floor in the changing room and I was like oh it's cold like I'm feeling <laughs> right. it. it's not my foot feeling it's my brain I tend to get actually warm in the tank no, well, yeah, but I mean when I was stepping out, walking around. Right. Yeah, just the, just sensations yeah, in general. Like, yeah, oh, like, yeah, like Anthony Bourdain used to like floating uh, because he'd like to eat after floating because you know everything is enhanced a little bit. So I, like I always like tell idea. people like go home and have like a piece of chocolate or something because everything is a little bit more. It's like all your senses again. are a little bit more acute because you gave everything a rest for a little bit. So um, yeah, that part is pretty cool. Um, you mentioned earlier about um, like psychedelics or whatnot, and I was just going to say like I hope we can, as a culture here, we can move past that because all of the science that they're doing, that they're able to do, unfortunately, it's very restricted in this country on psychedelic medicine is showing that there are huge um, benefits for folks with depression, PTSD, all those kind of things, and we really need to move past this idea that just because currently something is illegal, there's no sure. medicinal purpose, sure. you know, and hopefully I think like Denver right now, they're looking at legalizing, um, uh, psilocybin. Yeah. And, um, cause there, there have actually been some really great studies where they've shown, um, they've, they've done even, uh, uh, MRI scan where they show that, it allows your brain to create new neural pathways, you know, because our, our brains work in this way that you kind of wear these paths kind of like kind of like in a, a forest where 
you know, we tend to think in certain ways and psychedelic medicine can help you move outside of those pathways. And so that's why it can help with addiction. And sure. ironically, it can help with addiction, things like that. So, um, if you're familiar with Paul Stamets, the micro, or mycologist, Mm-mm. so he's, um, he was on Rogan's podcast a while back, but he's a, like a, a PhD, I think the term is mycologist. Um, and so he's, He's big into not just necessarily psychedelic mushrooms, but he uh, has his own company where he makes his own blends of like lion's mane and fruit other uh, other mushrooms, edible mushrooms. But you see a lot in, in like food sources. But like lion's mane has a apparently a neurogenesis property to it to huh. help regenerate brain properties. So it's just, there's definitely some things that I think get restricted because they get lumped in to something, and then the, the science is there, but no one wants to listen. I mean. You, Especially in Texas, you want to see some eye rolls <laughs> bring up right. that subject, and you're like, "Yeah, whatever, hippie." Yeah, it's, it's so just, crazy. Yeah, and, and, and so that's why one of the things I like about the float tank too is you get to access some of that, and people don't have to worry about like any of the, the you know, right? The yeah, you're, you're not going to get drug tested for a yeah, float and, tank, and, but and it could be a great. I think your content of salt is too high, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think as a as a, someone in the medical profession. The way you could use it would be similar to how they're doing some of the uh, therapies with the psychedelic drugs where you have someone go float and then go talk to your therapist after the float or vice versa. Have them talk to the therapist, right. get an idea they want to work on, then go in the tank and work on that idea. And I, that's some of the people I work with are psychologists, and they a few of them are actually recommending floating for some of their patients. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to people. Now, that it's, especially over the last six years, it's been interesting because I read about it. I think I first moved in 20. 2013 yeah that's when and I got then, into it and all of a sudden like really in the last two years it seems it's like it it's been up. crazy it's, it's really yeah impressive. in the country in, in the United States and Canada we've gone from like 50 float centers to probably close to close to or over 500 in the last um, six or seven eight years somewhere around there so it's it's grown it's I would just tell people like uh, you know if if you're not in San Antonio obviously in your San Antonio come and see me but if you're not in San Antonio, like, oh, if you're close by in San Antonio, come see. Yeah, uh, but look at you know look at the reviews for places and talk to the people. Like, there's a lot of different types of float tanks, and there's a huge uh, variability in like the way float centers are designed. Like, we put a lot of um, effort and honestly investment into like soundproofing our tank rooms, and it's never perfect. Like don't necessarily expect that you're going to go to a float center and you're not going to hear absolutely zero sounds because it's so quiet in there like right. we we put a lot of money into our soundproofing but we still get vibrations occasionally yeah. through the concrete so you can hear a, a thud here or there but for the most part we did a really great job so you know try and find a place where they seem to take the the concept of sensory deprivation really serious you can ask them about soundproofing about the type of equipment they have that type yeah. of thing but also look at the reviews. The reviews tend to reflect how good of an experience they're providing there. Um, but yeah, definitely just just go and try it. Since you're talking about the industry is growing and and you keep talking about this conference, how 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 many conferences have you been to and what do y'all talk about? I'm not I'm not trying. Yeah, to, it's no, like, it's pretty interesting. So there's there's two float conferences happening currently, and then there's there's talks about a third one. Uh, in They're one traditionally year, third conference in a yeah year? in one year yeah yeah um, the the original float conference was um, held up in Portland Oregon and um, 
It was put on by these guys at Float On, which uh, is just kind of an, uh, a really great float center run by really amazing people that just kind of wanted to do more for the industry. And they've, they've put out podcasts and um, newsletters and all kinds of things that have really helped the industry. But, yeah, they started putting on this float conference. So it's it's like a two-day conference up in – it used to always be up in Portland. This year is actually going to be the first year it's up in Denver. Um but yeah, they have speakers, like people that run float centers, and if they've either been in the industry for a long time or been incredibly successful, they'll have talks from everything about like either marketing your float center to Justin Feinstein's like the big star that's okay. always at the float conference because yeah. he's the big researcher. And everybody in this industry, it, especially in the last couple of you know five years, have really been yearning for that modern day research that backs up what we see every day you know because you can't you can't go out and say well my customer john had this experience like people aren't going to take that seriously when you're marketing your float center on facebook but if you could say you know justin feinstein's work uh dr justin feinstein at the lloyd institute for brain research did this study with 50 patients um so i got to go to the first conference where he was putting out his results that weren't even published yet and it was electric. Everybody was just really excited because it's it's almost like he's he's telling us what we already have known and seen, but it's something that we can really put out there, and it's legitimizing an industry that, like I said, it in the past it's been really tied into psychedelics and and a lot of stuff that is is really fringe or alternative medicine, yeah. and we're currently in this phase where we're moving into science is backing up what we're seeing in our float centers but it's also it's allowing us to move into this realm where we call it flotation therapy and we can actually say this is a therapy for these very specific things so using using the word therapy alone is is uh like it's driving you allowing you to use the word therapy yeah and there's there's certain certain states and in in Actually, federally, you know, if if you're going to call, if you're going to say something is used to treat something, it has to be backed by actual evidence. You're not allowed to say this this therapy or this um, either supplement or whatever else is used to treat. If you start saying that, which we're always, you know, we're all still very cautious about that. Like even with the concept of magnesium absorption in the float tank. So we use Epsom salt. Epsom salt is magnesium sulfate. And... Probably anyone that runs a float center agrees that there is some sort of magnesium absorption from floating. But unfortunately, it's very difficult. Actually, Justin and I got to sit down and have a conversation about this because I was like, is there any way you guys are going to be able to research this? And he's like, we're trying, but it's very difficult to measure blood magnesium levels because Mm. magnesium is such a fundamental mineral in our bodies it's used in like 326 metabolic processes and 68 percent of americans are deficient in magnesium and this is due to either overcropping where our soil doesn't have the minerals that it needs to or just diet we're not eating as much of the leafy greens that you typically get magnesium from so 68 percent of americans are deficient in magnesium and which can lead to a whole gamut of issues that aren't necessarily like acute symptoms but more chronic symptoms where it could be everything from mood to your telomeres on your 
DNA, DNA will will wear off faster. quicker, you know, yeah. those type of things. So we we kind of all feel like there is some magnesium absorption. There's one study that tends to get kind of pointed to, but it was like you said, it was like seven patients and Justin said it's it's very difficult to measure blood magnesium levels because your magnesium gets used immediately when it's in the body. It goes mm. to bones, it goes to you know, lots of different areas. So that's an area where we have to be careful about the promises that we make. So I typically don't talk about magnesium absorption very much. And if I do speak about it, I'm going to say this is something that, you know, we, we can't necessarily back up with hard evidence yet. But So is it showing that it's more of a mental health or a physical health? Is there one, like when y'all go to the conference, you're like, man, we got another mental health breakthrough or another... Yeah, right now we we feel or? pretty confidently as an industry that we can definitely talk about Floating as a treatment for anxiety and depression, because um, that's been well well researched. We also can definitely speak about chronic pain benefits. There have been some really good studies, some older studies, and and hopefully some more coming about using floating for for chronic pain. Everything from arthritis, fibromyalgia, um, to just general like lower back pain. I've got a lot of clients that have had back issues, and I think. Just being suspended in that solution, your spine is able to decompress. So that those are some of the best testimonials I've I've heard are actually for for chronic pain issues. Um, There's one. Uh, it's a chiropractor. I'm blanking on where he's located. Out of it was a headache study, and it's all all like basically case studies done in his own clinic. But he has he's a chiropractor, and he has a float tank in his office, or multiple float tanks. <laughs> Wish I even knew the guy's name, but he has. I want to say there were like seven to ten people on his studies looking at headaches, and you know, it's not the strongest sample in the world, but there was you know most of, I think all the patients who floated got headache benefit. And I think he was also combining that with exercise and chiropractic treatment. Um, but that's an interesting area um, that I think would be a good um, add-on or something to look into for for uh, for floating. Because one of Dr. Feinstein's papers, I'm blanking on which one it was, but they did a measure of like self-report on muscle tension people got out. Oh yeah, and they had a the low back was like the biggest report of like release of muscle tension. Surprisingly, the neck and the upper back not so much. Um, But I think they related that, and I think I agree with it that when you go float, especially when you haven't done it for long or before, you have a hard time trusting the water to support your head. So you tend to also like fire your neck muscles a little bit because you don't trust that they're right. going to support it. I think that was where some of that came from. But if you do it long enough and you get used to it and you trust the water, you're able to relax. And I actually like – I do the same technique you do in the tank. I have my hands over my head. Right. I used to have them down by my side and I could feel my upper traps just – I was hugging my ears and my shoulder. Yeah. And, it, and so I float with my hands kind of next to my head um, like I'm – you know, being arrested or something like that, hands up in the air. And that has taken the tension off my upper traps, and mm-hmm. I feel relaxed. And I think you also have a little donut shell. Yeah, we've got the little halo that you can put behind your head. Do I you, think for guys, the the hands above the head is very common because it just it kind of straightens the neck out. Yeah. And I don't do know. either of y'all use the, the donut? I got an odd-shaped head, so I, I don't. Because the, <laughs> the water is dense enough, you can let yeah. it go. You won't, it won't sink. Yeah, yeah, it's almost training wheels. Like people will start out using it, and then they and then they get away from it. Yeah. So I, I think that's for me because I see a, you know, professionally a lot of headaches. But 
I, I'd be curious to see the uh, results of multiple. That was one of the things. I, I, I have the zero gravity chair, mm-hmm. and then I uh, was able to come into a teeter where inverse two, you're hanging upside down. So I've done that as well. I got both of those at home. Mm-hmm. But nothing compares to the float. You're literally, you can rela- let everything go. And I think that's what the best part is. Literally let yeah. every single fiber of your muscles go into where they were actually just twitching on their own. They're like, yeah. what is yeah, the this? Muscle like, is pretty common. Yeah, yeah, so I got some uh, pretty heavy in the thigh for a little bit. And that's what's, that was reminding me, come home, what's this twitching? So, But that's one of the reasons I do love it and I do want to go back is because the sheer fact of I could literally let my entire vascular digestive muscle just go. Yeah. No gravity, no nothing. And that's what they've seen. There have been some good studies on also um, recovery um, for athletes. And I think that's twofold. Possibly some magnesium absorption, which would help. Um, But more importantly, um, you definitely get increased circulation, lowers your blood pressure. You don't have any pressure points. Your blood is able to circulate as efficiently as possible while you're laying in a float tank. So uh, they've measured lower lactic acid levels after floating, so recovery benefits. I actually uh, did my own like personal comparison when I was doing a lot more running. Um, I tried cryo, and then I tried floating, and I saw a lot more recovery benefit from floating as far as just muscle soreness and um, you know benefits you know, 24, 48 hours out. Um, so I, I really like it for recovery, and we're seeing a lot more professional athletes. If I was if I was skilled enough to be a professional athlete, if I had knew someone who was an athlete, I would, two things I recommend besides diet and exercise and having a sport specific coach and all that would be a sauna and a float tank. Yep, because there's a lot of sauna has its own strong strong evidence of health benefits, um, but one of those is also some with hormone production. So if you're lifting weights and you don't want to take any supplements there's there's some evidence i don't i don't i haven't read enough to know how strong the evidence is of some improved hormone levels for like testosterone hgh and all that stuff but having a sauna and then a float tank as an athlete would be i think the ultimate recovery tools just because you have the the heat and heat shock proteins that come with that and then you go float so you're just eliminating i've been trying to remember that term heat shock proteins i was like there's Um, something that happens when you shock the body and (laughs) those are my two like and even personally, if I like I said before, if I had all the money in the world, it would be a sauna and a float tank before anything else. <laughs> That's why I got the infrared sauna. I was like, I love this thing. I got it, and I think the infrared sauna works better than traditional saunas for that really? as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, Costco. I was saw so my wife. Costco has one for thirteen hundred dollars now. They're pushing your, uh, in your garage. <laughs> I was like, I can't do a float tank, but I can maybe do the sauna in my house. At least one one of those things right now. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, man. So, I love it. So uh, since you become a, a, a skilled float tank. Uh, do you get assisted float tank? Do you do a lot more assisted or unassisted? Um, I, I I go back and forth. Um, I've been, lately I've been trying to float and just really focus on staying away from caffeine because that has a huge impact on my floating. Um, I've been trying to do more like um, do the sauna, get a massage because we have massage therapy, and then float. Yeah. So I'm fortunately able to treat myself to that did all this help you with your your marathon run did you do all this uh we no um i back when i did the the marathon that was that was before i owned the float center but you know um just when i'm i you know i always push myself pretty hard when i'm able to to work out or whatnot so yeah the float tank 
definitely helps the most with yeah. with muscle soreness. And if I tweak my back or something, it's it's really great for that. Um, I haven't used the sauna specifically for that purpose much. I just go in the sauna because I enjoy it, and I, I think it's good for overall health. Those heat shock proteins. <laughs> Those heat shock proteins. Yeah, well, I remember that. The, the evidence uh, for like four times a week for 20, 30 minutes and overall mortality is fairly impressive. I mean, fairly. It's, yeah, Dr. Rhonda Patrick talked about yeah. that on the Rogan podcast yeah. where they, they did like a Russian study mm-hmm. over like a 20 year period yeah. and they compared. Well, I think they were looking at metadata. They compared people that used the sauna two to three times a week versus didn't. And there was like overall about a one to two year uh, longer lifespan for people that use the uh, sauna. Yeah, so that's pretty interesting. LA Fitness, they have a sauna there. And when I go work out, I try to at least end with a – well, if you go in the sauna, you got to start slow because it feels – the first time I went in there, I was like, this must be what it feels like to be trapped in a car. And I immediately was like, okay, that's a downer. I'm thinking about all the kids and the dogs get trapped in I'm like, this <laughs> sucks. So I started at five minutes, and then I tried to build myself up to between 20 and 30 minutes after a workout. Um, and I didn't. I mean, you don't, definitely don't feel as relaxed as floating when you get yeah. out. You feel some relaxation just because you're just, you know, there's nothing going on in there, chilling out. But right. it's definitely come out feeling like you're stressed a little bit. And that's where the heat comes in. Yeah. Um, but... My nose, my blood pressure was was awesome when I was floating, and then the the recovery, the soreness after working out wasn't there. Um, and I don't know if that was just because I was in a good stage working out and I wasn't getting to the soreness area. But um, the sauna, I think, is is it's my next like besides floating, those are the, my two favorite things. Yeah, for, especially for recovery and for health purposes. So for uh, recommendations, what do y'all get for beginners so we can beginners? For, for, for the first floating, time, or, yeah. For, first time floating, um, some, some, some tips. So, um, so. Yeah, kind of the stuff that you covered. Definitely, you want to stay away from caffeine. Uh, it's okay to eat before. Just kind of keep it light. Uh, yeah, don't shave or anything because the the salt will hurt if you got any razor burn. Um, and I I usually say like you don't really want to go in with any expectations because it impacts everyone so different. And we, we actually have this symptom of people that have listened to Joe Rogan for a long time. They come in and they, they've heard his experiences of, you know, you're going to go to outer space and you're going to have all of this stuff. And, and you don't want to go in and expect that the first time. And you also don't want to – it's not like a magic pill where you're going you're gonna to go and float one time and it's going to cure your anxiety or something else. You know, I, I laugh because people will come in and they've spent – 5, 10, 15, 20 years building up these anxieties and um, these they have these issues and then they come in they float one time and they're like well that didn't work right. it's like dude like the first time doesn't even really count that's like your introduction to the float tank yeah you're gonna you're gonna have to get used to like relaxing all your muscles and you're gonna have to like figure out a way to kind of calm that mind, that mind chatter so I always prescribe three floats like don't even judge it until you get to your third float because you haven't seen anything until you get into your third fourth fifth float session I even got a friend he's really really hyperactive um, even more so than me like mentally it took him nine floats before he really hit wow. that like was able to really let go and then he's he's become a good friend of mine. He floats regularly, and he started doing ten minute meditations uh, using an app for like the last month or two. And he just floated with me last week, and he was like, "Man, that was the best float ever." 
And I was like, why do you think this was different from the other ones? And he's probably at like 15 floats. He's like, I've been doing this meditation. So that's why I say those things go hand in hand. The floating can help help you understand meditation, but meditation definitely makes floating better. So, um, And those are the clients where I see if they have a regular meditation practice, they can jump in a float tank and they always – Almost universally, that's the only factor I've seen where they have a, a really great float session early on is if they, you know, they have some type of meditation practice. The only thing different I could add to that would be I like going into the float, especially after you get. So I always tell people when I recommend floating, the first float is not a wash; it's where you get used to it. It's where you convince yourself nothing's going to happen to you. Yeah, you're not going to get locked in the tank. You're right. not going to drown, and then you get that all the way to the first float. And if you get relaxed, you're going to feel relaxed when you get out, but you may not get what you hear everybody else talk about and and what what Rogan always talks about you have to also know that he's usually enhanced and taken some other supplement or substance when he goes and floats because he's in a state where you can do that but I always go in with the thought of what I want to work on but I don't hold myself to that it's like okay I want to talk I want to think about my diet or I want to think about why I'm anxious or whatever it may be but I don't hold myself to that so it's not like I, I if I feel myself going somewhere else I just let it kind of come naturally and i just focus on breathing and just not trying to, to think about one specific task and right. just kind of let your head go wherever one thing i found for for people who either are, they can't tolerate the tank or they they're not sure if they want to, to shell out money all the time for the tank or as an adjunct to the tank like the meditation your friend was doing is restorative yoga restorative right. yoga is the only thing i found outside of floating that got me into the same headspace it just took 90 minutes to get there yeah, um, and I didn't feel it until like the right almost towards the end of the yoga class. Whereas floating, I get there in ten minutes, you know, max something like that. It's it's almost immediate when I get in the tank versus the yoga class where it's at the very end. But as a supplement, because you can do restorative yoga on YouTube on your own as a way just to get that same effect at home on your own and just start doing a practice, whether that or meditation as a supplement, and then use of tank as a as like the master switch or right. whatever you want to think about and that's that's kind of how I do it yeah and you all still have that three float package that you were on yep. yeah. yeah we're still doing that yep. yeah. that's on that but uh, one of the things I like to do in all the podcasts is like your boy Gary V pattern recognition so I would say in this podcast I've gathered is a lot of meditation and then another thing we like to do for these podcasts is uh, we do these for our kids so that's why we keep it kind of PG-13 but whatever but so I want to raise my kids to meditate, especially even now. My, my twins just turned six, and my four-year-old's about to turn five. And so we try to get them to understand their breathing. So I think it would make them better little humans in society. Yeah. But better reaction, too, I think. So that's what I'm gathering from this podcast is the pattern recognition is get in your headspace, relax. Mm-hmm. Flotating will help you. I'm assuming it will help you get there sooner. I don't know. You tell me. I think so, yeah. For sure. I think if you don't tackle your own brain, you can go out life hacking, do whatever you want. But if you don't tackle your own brain, um, and everybody has their own life circumstances, I'm not going to tell someone who's has it way worse than me what to do because I, I I have my specific life I'm living and I have advantages that other people might not. But if if I don't conquer my own brain, then like I'm just letting it do no, whatever it wants. That's like I was saying earlier. I yeah. think it's great if my kids if if they're growing up, they can disconnect and. Yeah. There's some articles recently about 
uh, they've, I, it's not scientific. I've only what read is the like, youngest? Well, they've done research into like kids who meditate in school, and, yeah. I, and I don't I haven't read the actual research, but I read articles talking about the research, and it it sounds promising. So like yeah. they'll have like first grader, second graders do meditation. In, What's in the class. youngest you've you've taken in your tank? Uh, well, we have a we have a minimum age of fourteen well, at our true. float center. Um, part of that's due to just. Um, yeah, actually, younger people have a little bit of a harder time with the float tank. Yeah. Like, it's I think it's a little scary for like really young kids, um, and sometimes their skin be, can be a little bit more sensitive to the Epsom salt. Okay. Epsom salts, you know, for adults, is is really good for your skin and hair, but you know, sensitive skin areas can be uh, it can be it can burn. And so, for there are some float centers that allow like younger people in there, um, specifically young people with autism. It seems to to be very okay. helpful. It's just not something we're we're passionate about at at float. We try and create it as a safe safe haven, like quiet space, yeah. because we have a lot of parents that are trying to find oh, really? peace and quiet to get away yeah, yeah. from the sense. kids. So, it's just kind of our philosophy that we want to keep that peaceful nature. So we keep it fourteen and up. Um, but no, that's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Plus, I don't think any kid at that age would take it serious. They'd probably splash around more than anything. Yeah, yeah. So I think with, I with, think that's with good. My, what my dad would do is just, I mean, just plant seeds in my mind. That's exactly like, what we're trying to do. When I was sixteen, when he was having me, you know, around sixteen, having me think about meditation, I was like, I, I mean, I might try just because he was doing it, but it was not something I actually would practice yeah, I, think yeah. I was used to playing video games or practicing basketball or doing something else I think but that's all you could do as you get older you're like oh yeah there's this tool my dad or my dad bought me a bunch of books when I I think I turned 18, 19 you're like here's some books that I found helpful as I've gotten older one of them was Alan, Alan Watts book I think it's called The Book if you're familiar with, are you familiar with Alan Watts at all? a little bit I think, I think it's called The Book I, I can't remember I haven't I'm read blank on the name but he had that one he had a Buddhist book um, I think it's called The Path of the Warrior Way of the Warrior and there was another book he was like these are helped me you got, I got him. I didn't read him for like probably five or six years, or even longer. And then eventually, when I was in college or grad school, I was like, well, "This is on a summer break. Let's break these open and see." And they were helpful. And as I've gotten older, I go back to them, and they're, they're more helpful. So I, just planting seeds is a, is, is a good idea. Um, and I, I think for my own kid, I, I've listened to a lot of Rogan's podcasts, and they're not PG thirteen. So as I've like. I'm trying to find other outlets to things to listen to as my kid is becoming more now right. he's aware of stuff. I don't want him also to start dropping f bombs. Sorry, like, <laughs> like, I shouldn't listen to that. So having uh, something he can listen to, um, and I told my wife it was a little morbid too that if God forbid I'm not here, there's at least hours of recordings of me talking where he can hear my yeah. voice and hear at least have some thoughts of what <laughs> I took out of being an adult or got out of the world or whatnot. So. Um, if for your kids, that's where I would start. Just just lead by example, plant seeds. Yeah, no. Encourage good habits. Yeah. And sometimes they're going to take, and it's some things my dad does. That, like, my dad's a vegetarian and vegan. Like, I'm not, I haven't reached that point yet. But, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I take some, th- I mean, the first time I had an all vegetarian meal was at my dad's house, and we had, I forgot what it was, but it was, there was no meat. And I was a little terrified at first. I was like, really? But, you can. I mean, it's great. Yeah. There's, there's so trying new things is also helpful too, and not getting to the point where you feel comfortable trying new things is cool. important. So. Let me uh, thank Jeremy for a the first float I've ever had in my life. That's yeah. pretty awesome. <laughs> and for coming on the podcast. And since you uh, introduced me to Jeremy, I'll let you close this podcast out. Go ahead to uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter, website. Give you all your oh yeah, yeah. Um, 
so we're we're actually just called Float, but um, generally everything is Float SA. Okay. Um, yeah. So the website's floatsa.com. Um, Facebook forward slash Float SA. Instagram Float underscore SA. <laughs> you know all that stuff. Um, but yeah, we have a uh, right now we're running. Uh, we pretty much always run a first float deal. It's normally sixty nine bucks for an hour. Uh, it's only forty nine to do your first float, or the tri float package is a better deal. I push everybody toward the tri float package. It's your first three floats for one nineteen, so those are only forty bucks a piece. Um, that's a really good deal, and uh, we do a first float is free for veterans. So um, veterans are active duty, so that's just something we always do. Uh, so just a way to thank our military folks. Well, yeah, I, I appreciate coming on the podcast. I've yeah, man, met you fun. two years ago, and I, I yeah, float is an awesome place. I, I really enjoy it, and uh, it's relaxing. The massage chairs are great. So, um, I, my recommendation would be whatever you can afford, or, you know, just go try it out, and then supplement with whatever you can to for your budget. And if you, you have a membership too, I believe, is it? A monthly yeah, membership? it's um, it's normally fifty five bucks a month. Sometimes we do a sale where it's forty nine bucks a month. And that's one float a month, which is a really good. Like if you can come once a month, it's kind of like a reset button. Right. So that's a good. That's a good time period. So I would just say if you haven't checked it out, try it out. And um, anyway, so that's uh, all for this episode. So cool. Thanks, guys. Here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah.